Yeah. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Pineapple Theory podcast. And it's another Mandalorian Monday, which we are recording on a Tuesday because I've got uh, a weekend away and I need to record in advance and I I feel pretty prepared. Uh, I've got another special guest this week because John, again, still hasn't quite caught up yet. He's getting there, but not yet. So I've got my good friend Mahmood. Mahmood, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Reese? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. It's, it feels weird to be doing Mandalorian Mondays or any sort of podcast on a Tuesday because normally it's like a weekend thing. But uh, yeah, so we're, yeah, off yeah, to, yeah. we're off to uh, McKinley's folks on the weekend. So got to sort of uh, be a bit prepared. Um, yeah, of course. Have you ever been on a podcast before? No, but I've listened to many. Well, there we go. <laughs> so I, I get, I get the vibe. Yeah, you can add this to your resume as like, yeah. uh, you know, a <laughs> list of achievements in all your sort of career of life achievements. This, the Pineapple Theory podcast, should be number one. I'm telling you, and this will get big one day, and I will tell people I was on this. Yeah. Even when you have to delete my episodes because you know you have to make some new thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I am hoping that one day the pineapple, the the ultimate goal of the Pineapple Theory podcast is we somehow get a member or a director or even like a, a prop designer from how i met your mother tv show on the podcast oh yeah and oh then, really yeah it's gotta be like, yeah 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 the the so me and john as you don't know john but uh like we share the passion for how i met your mother and that's how like this whole thing started i mean we've been friends for years but this the show the name of the show and all that obviously is from how i met your mother which right I, which i believe you you've recently been dipped into that yes. universe yes i finished it um in the summer yeah i finished all of it in the summer um with 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 Shanika and it was wild it's a wild show i i liked it i liked it i still confused actually not confused i remember the big thing was the ending you were telling me about how like yeah the very last episode like... is it's a bit hit and miss for some people like it is good mm-hmm. but also it's it... it's maybe not good if you if you, that, that's definitely not the ending you wanted it's a bit of a shocker yeah 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 mm-hmm. so now you have to obviously you would list it as your favorite tv show ever right of course of course otherwise Shaniko will, will be very upset with me if i didn't so exactly. yes it is my favorite episode or favorite series ever mm-hmm. so a bit of uh connecting for the for the fans out there so my girlfriend mckinley her best friend Shanika, who's your girlfriend so yes full-on yes. there we go Everybody knows everybody now. Um, Yes. All right. So we do this thing on the podcast where we sort of intro everybody who comes on. We we grill them straight away. Um, And I did only text you yesterday. So I gave you next to no time to sort of prepare for this. Um, But we we ask everybody what their sort of top five favorite movies or movie franchise or TV shows. Top five sort of, you know, entertainment list of that. Doesn't have to be in order either, by the way. It doesn't have to be like my favorite to, you know, it's just your top five favorites. Uh, do you, do you have any? Yes. Um, and you I'm will very... be judged, by the way. You get judged heavily yeah, by I, all our that's... friends and in our comments. So <laughs> that's just okay. be that's... I don't see some of these. I don't know if people know about them because I'm kind of weird like that, where I watch so many little films that don't are not as popular. Okay. Um, just to but, let you so... know that the the other host of this show, John, he yeah, put yeah, yeah. Transformers in some of his oh. like top favorite movies ever. And he oh, got probably. very heavily slated for that. Oh no! So, oh no! I don't know okay. where your movies fall, but if Transformers <laughs> are on the list, you could be in for a little bit of a beating. 
No, I think Transformers is not on my list. I'm, I'm not a big Michael Bay fan, unfortunately. Okay. But you don't but like I just can... all explosions. <laughs> no, I mean, it's part of the story, right? It's part of your aesthetic, <laughs> I guess. I I appreciate what he does, but it's the uh... anyway. Yeah. Okay. Um. So five favorite thing. Okay, so my first one is 2001: Space Odyssey. That's okay. one that's lived with me for a while. I watched that. I've seen it like six times. Wow. Six, yeah, six separate times. And I love that film mm-hmm. in every gl- bit of its glory, as weird as it is. Um, there Will Be Blood. That's another one uh, by Paul Thomas Anderson. That film is just like, I don't know. Have you seen it or no? No, I didn't. I didn't ca- you said Narrow with Blood or something? There Will Be Blood. Oh, There Will Be Blood. No, no, not, not yeah. seen this one. Oh, it's. It's like it's a slow burn film, but it's a very good slow burn, and I love the the way it all just comes together in the end. It's is it like great. an older movie or a new or when's it it's, from? It's um 2007. Oh, okay. Uh, was when it came out. Oh, um, I don't know if you do you know Daniel Day Lewis? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's yeah he's the main guy in it. Um, and it's just like, it's about the oil like this guy that's just basically hunting for. He wants. Sorry, he's hunting for oil rig spots so that he can mine oil. Then the set, I think, in the 19th century or something, or early early 20th century. Okay. Um, and uh, that's basically like it's him following his greed for money and oil rigs and etc. And like, like misconstruing what he does to people and like, and he just messes with people, but he's just all in the name of money. And it's just. Okay. It's a very, very good story, and it's but it's very. I think like it just it, it just it's so intense all the time that you are so uncomfortable with everything, but you don't know why you're uncomfortable the whole way through. I don't know great. if I would like it. Then I I struggle <laughs> in uncomfortable scenes in movies. Um, oh, you know I do real bad with uncomfortable moments. I like sit on edge. I got to fiddle with things all the time. I, I <laughs> yeah, sweat. Yeah. But... Oh, okay. Well, maybe one day we'll watch it. I'll, I'll I have it and I'll bring it over and we'll watch it okay I be, i'm, I'm normally okay with uncomfortable films in a group that's normally okay because oh, okay. i can sort yeah, of yeah. like let everyone else be uncomfortable and i can just sort of like be be ignored <laughs> um we went yeah. although um one of the most uncomfortable cinema moments i've ever had is i went to see a star is born in the cinema okay which is the, okay uh, um lady gaga and the him obviously i'm blanking on his name bradley bradley cooper bradley, bradley cooper. cooper there you go um yeah and the moment where it's like she's accepting an award and he goes on stage and basically like wets himself in front of the whole like that level of like sheer awkwardness on the character's point of view i <laughs> i could not in the whole cinema i was like crawling down onto like the floor bed of my seat just i couldn't couldn't keep it together see that's um, interesting there's not a lot in when, when i'm watching a movie that like that i feel awkward about or i'm i'm like cringing about unless it's like a really abrupt like killing of some sort or right okay something. yeah then i i squeal a bit and mm. i just keep going with it the I... most awkward moment that i think anybody could have and i don't know if you've seen game of thrones or not um but the most oh, i've only i only seen up to season four but okay but fine. at least you know oh, okay right the most awkward moment you could ever have is when your parents ask you oh we should watch game oh, of thrones yeah. as a family because uh, yeah, i had that yeah. happen to me and i immediately just went no 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 never never <laughs> no way no and mom's no. like why i hear it's like a really popular show and i want to watch it and i was like yeah. you can you can do whatever you want but the same way we're not going to read 50 shades of gray as a group we won't be yeah. watching game yeah. of thrones oh so. man. that actually happened to me my mom wanted me to go with her to go watch 
the Fifty Shades oh, movies, movie? and I said, I said, no, ma'am, that's no. all you. You and my dad can go do and watch whatever yeah. you want. <laughs> yeah, this is not a family sort of event. <laughs> no, no, no. Not I wonder all. if they ever did uh, that. You know how you get like coupons for like uh, I don't know, like take your family to go and see the new Star Wars movie or whatever. I wonder if yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey did something like that. I mean, that would be a pretty big market for them to tap into if they did, but <laughs> there yeah. would be something there. All right, so we've got two movies down on your list. What, what yes. Um, the other movie, is it's called The Fabulous Baron Mun- Munchausen. Munchausen? Okay, sure you are naming it. way... You're getting more and more out of left field. <laughs> I'd heard so of the other two, possibly. Definitely yeah. like Space Odyssey, but not, not the first one you said. Oh, sorry, 2001. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah. okay, what's this one? So it's it's a film from 1962. Oh, I think okay. it's a, it's okay. So I think it's a German. No, it's a Czechoslovakian romantic adventure film. Essentially, the reason why I love it is like, I mean, it's a very fantastical story, but mm-hmm. it's like, um, the way it's shot and edited and like the way it's put together is like, uh, it's it's a mix of stop motion and live action. Um, and this is in 1962. So everything is very colored, right? So mm-hmm. if there's a, a scene that's very blue, like the character is also blue and like, and, and, and the background is moving in stop motion while the characters are moving in live action. Yeah, but yeah. there's moments where they're like on a ship and, and they're now moving in live or in stop motion with the stop motion of the ship. But the color is, I think the, the colors is what gets me of this okay. whole film. Like it's just so vibrant and so, beautiful and it's such a fantastical story like it's just it's about like these guys that live on the moon and you know they're like the masters of the universe and no one can be like them and they get this human and they come to earth and they're like you can't be like us moon people and okay this sounds (laughs) way out there for like a 60s movie (laughs) oh 100 percent. but it's also czechoslovakian and europeans love to make very out there films so fair fair enough i'm for it I, I'm, I'm very interested in actually seeing that one now because that sounds yeah. the most interesting to me. I often like enjoy sort of the yeah stop motion animation, especially on older like movies and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, will, it's, uh... I will have to see that. Is that like how am I going to find that though? Is this going to be like you need to know somebody you, yeah. who has a key to a library? <laughs> no. <laughs> so if you if you no you do not that, but <laughs> if you don't like, I subscribe to the Criterion Channel. Okay. And they have have you heard of the Criterion Channel? Yeah, yeah, before? I have heard of it. Yeah. All right, so they have a lot of cinema on there that's just like that's a lot older or a lot more um, discreet and not in like the, the mainstream yeah, and stuff. Yeah. So it's on there. And I had heard from it from a friend that I went to film school with who's from Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said it was one of the most beautiful films he's ever watched. And I, I, it is very beautiful. Like it is extremely beautiful from a film that's from the 1962. Um, so that that's how. So if you do want to watch it, okay. I'm over. I'll just sign okay, in. We, there we go. We got, and... We're gonna have to have a movie weekend. Like next yes. next lockdown, we'll lock down together for a week and go through all these yes. movies. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm down. Um, but it is a. So like, it's one of those films that I always people always t- like with going back to 2001. People always talked about how 2000 or Star Wars was kind of like the. Um, the big sci-fi breakthrough yeah. but people also brush over 2001 that came out actually before star wars did mm-hmm. uh, which is a big space film uh but like i think that that like those film like 2001 fabulous baron munchausen are like films that i love because of what they started in a very 
yeah. secret way and I know no that one like really... a lot of people sort of push like the original star wars is sort of pushing the boundaries on what like miniatures and models and that sort of yeah. stop motion animation could do as well mm-hmm. and obviously there were examples beforehand but i guess star wars was one of the big ones to sort of take off but i found it interesting that yeah another one of my favorite sort of movie franchises lord of the rings and <clears throat> oh yeah but not i not i don't include the hobbit in those I, the hobbit's my favorite book but the movie isn't is not quite the same the original lord of the rings mm-hmm. movies also continued in that sort of like miniatures and stop animation sort of yeah things like that like where they build all these huge sets and then just film them in miniatures and i was always fascinated by that as a kid growing up because i was like that's something that you could almost do like if you just had toys around your bedroom you would always build up these little like you know uh, like cities or whatever or like play with your toys and then suddenly these like actual like big movies are filming sort of a set like that obviously like way grander Um, yeah yeah but yeah, I don't know. Like, yeah, I would never be able to say who was the original sort of first ever time it was ever released in a film because there's always going to be no. some indie like hidden movie that's yeah. like uh, that does this, you know, from way back when. Um, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you have wait just before uh, you go on to your next movie, you had a little bit of a a, a thing in there that I was going to lead on to. You went to film yes. school. Which I think yes. could explain why maybe your movies are like, you know, I'm talking about like, you know, Star Wars and Good Morning Vietnam and Tarzan. And you're saying all these films that no one's ever heard of unless you probably yeah. went to film school. Yes. So, yes, I went to film school in um, 2018, 2019, like that academic year. Mm-hmm. Um And I went there to study. It was a postgraduate program and I did that for a year. Um, and I went there to study uh, basically cinematography and editing. I ended up wanting to go more into the cinematography world of, mm-hmm. of things for, in film rather than the editing because um, I could not live in a dingy room for the rest of my career yes. putting together <laughs> clips. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was very frustrating. So then that's, that's now what I do is I'm in the film industry. I'm not a cinematographer um, yet, but what I do is I work in the lighting department or the Griffin lighting department, which works directly with the cinematographer and what they design and with the lights and um, and everything. So, and I work on commercials, some fe- a feature film recently, um, mm-hmm. and some short films. Your feature stuff. film so, recently that we can't say too much, but you were in an abandoned yeah. hospital for like a month. Yes. 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 Which you sent me some was... pictures and it looked scary as hell. So yes, I don't know how was... you even slept. <laughs> You, you had cold. to sleep in the hospital. No, didn't we didn't you? sleep there. Oh, you didn't. Oh, I thought you were sleeping. No, there. no, no. We didn't. No, we were. We were in a hotel. Thank God. But okay. the ho- the hospital was freezing cold. Freezing cold. But yeah. it was fine. Like it was just. An, it was a really good experience. I bet. Well, now that we know that you're a film expert and all that, you're officially <laughs> the most educated person to ever be on a movies podcast that, oh this one sorry like oh, yeah. like we've we, me and john are movie fans and we know next to nothing about movies and we just basically right. talk as if we're drunk in a pub so oh, okay i Love highly it. recommend <laughs> that you never listen to our podcast because we will just annoy the hell out of you with all the stuff that no. we talk about no i love i i was i actually listened to the one the previous one and it was very interesting when you guys were breaking everything down and talking about it because um like I love talking about the references that the Mandalorian has, yes, to, and what like 
like John Favreau and Dave Filoni have a lot of references that I love that I think I'll probably hopefully touch on as we go through it. Please do. That's that's my whole thing with this is that like I get so nerdy into especially like the sound effects that they use mm, mm, mm. because if you wear headphones and watch The Mandalorian, there's so many reused sounds or just re like yeah. tweaked from the originals and the prequels and all yeah. the rest of it. So yeah, like, no, yeah. I I nerd out on that. And in all fairness, yeah, The Mandalorian I think is. The, is the most specific sort of episodes we've actually broken down. But the rest of our episodes are more of just like who would win in a fight between, I don't know, Iron Man and Hulk is literally like some of our episodes. So on that kind of stuff, it's less in the cinematography sort of realm and more of just like, yeah, two kids or two guys drunk in a pub and just arguing over, you know, whose sword is bigger. Um, oh excellent yeah, yeah. Oh, anyway well, let's topics. let's finish your finish your movies off and then we'll, yes. we'll get into the mandalorian side of this <laughs> yes um so the next one is a it's a trilogy called the right red white blue trilogy um okay. it's uh it's a french trilogy um that had come out i think within the 90s or something like that anyways um i just love it it's, it's called the three colors trilogy it's by uh, uh what's his name Oh, Christoph. Kl- okay, I'm not gonna try to say his yes, name. anyway. An unpronounceable name. <laughs> yeah. Um, and basically, it's just like it's three films. Um, and and the first film is if you don't like it's, you don't already know. Like the first film talks about this musician and his him growing up, and then the middle film. How do I explain it? It's it's a trilogy in the sense that like the stories are connected, but they're also not connected. At, at any point it's like there's three separate groups of people within the same timeline um whose lives kind of intersect in a very horrible way at the end of red mm-hmm. um but it's not like the storylines actually matter to each other if I'm, it's like an anthology series okay i, but, I think i get your own about <clears throat> yeah so i it, it's my favorite i actually love love that trilogy of, of films okay you um, said french is it in english though yeah well there's like this you have subtitles kind of thing okay so right okay to, fine um but white white so blue and red are in french and then white is in polish oh and nice french, i know a tiny so tiny tiny bit of polish because i had polish oh, really? friends at university i can say the phrase hairy beaver and lots of oh, okay. swear words <laughs> okay how and do you say hairy beaver hairy beaver is buhati bubra Oh, and I've not the only re- this is a very very short like introduction or well, uh, sorry interjection story but I I, I worked no. at, I worked in a warehouse and there was a Polish guy there and I went to uni at the same time and there was my Polish friend there and the two of yeah. them used to teach me phrases to tell the other Polish person and then it got weird I learned like chicken fingers uh, hairy beaver <laughs> uh, grandma's hat all these sort of like weird phrases and stuff I think I've forgotten most right. of the ha- hairy beaver stuck in my head because that's a fun one to remember right 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 yeah yeah so i will be able to not understand this movie (laughs) at all unless the movie white talks about hairy beavers which i'm assuming it doesn't uh no no not very often does it mention (laughs) that but you know it's okay (laughs) well at the very least you and the rest of the audience now know that bahati bubra is a hairy beaver in poland and you can you can you can freak out some of your polish friends for no apparent reason Okay, there we go. I'll uh, I'll keep that in mind next. I probably won't remember it, but I will try to. Try. So I'll just go to Google Translate. Well, that's a good thing about podcasts. This will be up for a long time, so you could always oh, yeah. just go back okay. to you know, Zip like out. just under twenty minutes in, and you'll find the the magic I phrase. Know. Okay. Um, Thanks, so your favorite movie of all time is obviously Harry Potter. Otherwise, 
you know yes harry potter trilogy or not trilogy sorry the harry potter (laughs) series Mm -hmm. is on my list um thank you for kindly reminding me for saving your ass because shanika would burn you (laughs) yeah no but honestly i love the harry potter um series in its entirety i watched it and read it since i was like when i was really young and Mm -hmm. was following along with it I mean, I didn't understand it fully at the time, what was really happening, all the nuances of the politics and everything as you go, but like you still love the visuals and like the craziness of it all. Um, And Voldemort freaked me out as a kid. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's the fact he is, he's creepy in all of them. Yeah. All the ones that he's in. I think he's in all of them. Yeah. He's like, yeah, from when he's like, a weird baby yeah like, the baby like, baby voldemort is uh, the worst it can be i mean we've got baby yoda to talk about today but baby voldemort yeah. that's a whole other thing yeah yeah uh-huh. okay yeah, so and... favorite movie then of of from the harry potter no no no, no the, the last one you had in your list i think we got oh the last one through. um the last one is on it's called on sandy's um it's it's a so it's it's by a director. His name is Denny Villeneuve. He's a very big director. He mm-hmm. did Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Arrival, and he's now re- going to release Dune. Oh, um, but this Dune, is... I've got so much to talk about Dune. Well, we'll talk about yeah, it off air because otherwise we're going on a tangent. Yeah. But I I need to talk about that to someone else. As yes, well. yes, we will talk about I'm that. Very excited. Um, but Don so Sandys is one of his first features that he did, um, and it's based on a play. Um, I'm not gonna take too much about the plot. It's just basically two kids are looking for um, a family member. Okay. Um, but the film is so visceral and so heartbreaking and so intense uh, that it doesn't hold back all the way through. But it's such a great film. Like, it's so well put together. The dialogue is incredible. The way it's written and it's shot beautifully. And it's so emotional. Um, it's not a very light film. So I will put that out there. It's very... There's a lot of heartbreaking moments in it, but it's such a beautiful, beautiful film. And like, I don't think it gets enough credit. Um, and it is a Canadian film too, which is oh Canada, which Ooh. is yes, yeah, Canada. So, <laughs> gotta so represent. I think that's what put, yeah, exactly. And I think that's what put Denny on the map when he started to do his bigger films like Prisoners and and Arrival and uh, Sicario and the rest, etc. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's probably that's my nice well this is you you've had the most obscure and interesting (laughs) top film list i think of anybody so congratulations i'll i will post all of those for everybody um on the on the uh instagram uh which is at pineapple theory underscore podcast and yeah we'll post your like top five picks on there and then people can have a look and sort of see it forever and then go away and 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 watch them if if they're in for it um Yeah, okay, right. Um, next question then, before we get into this, I- I'm assuming you're a Star Wars fan. I hope you're a Star Wars fan, otherwise am... you've been you've been having me on for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I am a very big Star Wars fan, a very late blooming Star Wars fan, I will add. But yes, I'm that's Star fine. Fan I don't I don't think yeah. it matters when you when you when you start watching them, so long as I think yeah. everybody should, if they can, should, like give it a go. Mm-hmm. I agree. It's a once you get into it, there's a it's very good okay so did you if you were late blooming then did whoever showed you star wars did you just do it yourself but did you go like the original sort of trilogy or did you go the prequels and sort of do it sequentially so i did it on my own i initially had seen four five and six Mm -hmm. um back in like grade 11 or something around there 
I didn't fully understand what I was watching. Like I, I was like, oh, okay, it's cool. Like the stormtroopers, lightsabers, etc. Yeah. Then, um, I had seen one, two, and three, but because one, two, and three, I would say a lot more complex in terms of the politics of everything. Yeah, and massively. Like, and like the the nuance of the Star Wars universe, I didn't. Again, same idea. I didn't fully grasp what I was watching. And then when they announced the seven, eight, nine series, that's when I like really got into it. Right. I started watching the force awakens and I knew how big it was. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I paid attention more. So now recently I've gone back and I was like, okay, I'm going to watch four five and six as if I'm in 1970s. Yeah. Kid. I actually, that, like, I, I forget yeah. about that actually. Cause I didn't even say it just then. I guess there is the whole like new trilogy. I would always ask someone, yeah. did you watch the originals or the like sequentially? But I guess like yeah. some, like, especially like younger kids now as well, will be introduced to Star Wars probably from the force awakens. And yeah, then yeah, onwards. exactly. And then they'll be like, Oh, I'll go back and watch the other ones. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which is a really weird idea to think about. It's strange. Like that. It's very big generation gaps now. Well, it is, but I think that also like, you know, I've talked about this before, but like my, my favorite Star Wars movie is actually the Phantom Menace, which is highly okay. like ridiculed as like one of the worst ones ever. But it's because that was right, the first right. Star Wars movie I ever saw. I had it on VHS and I watched it mm-hmm. once every day at least. And like Darth okay. Maul, like I've, this little guy, Darth Maul, got the bubble head and everything. Oh, yes. Like fell in love with him. Yeah, um, yeah. as i'm sure i've told you all you've you've seen um yes yes but yeah like nowadays i think that like the best thing about star wars is that like i don't know it's it's pre- it's pretty easy to watch in in the sort of rough essence of it it's good versus bad and you know that mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. pretty much it um but i mm-hmm. do agree that yeah the prequel sort of goes very heavily sort of into the politics but as a kid i didn't even like hear any of that i just saw the spaceships yeah. and the lightsabers and was you know like like yeah, mesmerized yeah, yeah. by it that was it um yeah Okay, so uh, Man- Mandalorian TV show then, you started watching it when that came out as well, or sort of you've just recently come into that? Um, I didn't watch it when it, right when it came out. I didn't have a Disney Plus account at the time, so I, I watched it later. I can't, I can't remember when, but I w- watched it probably like six months after it had come out, and I avoided spoilers as much as possible. I knew that Baby Yoda existed. And yeah, knew... that would be a hard one to avoid. Yeah, but that's that's kind of been i've been recently i've been actually following along with the releases of season two mm-hmm. um as they've come out yeah because i knew this season was going to be too big for me to avoid spoilers yeah i think so definitely well definitely um yeah me and cammy at the end of, sort of the last episode got into it a little bit talking about and i'd be interested in your opinions just quickly and then we're gonna break down these next two episodes mm-hmm. um but, like, we were talking about how sort of, like, Game of Thrones was one of the first ones to really sort of break out big in sort of a sort of TV show and show exactly how big a TV show could be. And yeah, for yeah. me, like, the, the Mandalorian is sort of now the next sort of thing in that. Um, like, mm-hmm. Disney's obviously behind it, and Disney have all the money yeah. in the world, and they own the world in some regards, so they're going <laughs> to yeah. put in the money to it. But I think that Mandalorian is fastly becoming one of my favorite things about Star Wars because they actually can take the time to do it episodically in series. And yeah. there shouldn't be any rush to like finish it. Like yeah. I, I would hope there's no like contract where they have to, you know, this must be completed within three years or three seasons or six mm-hmm. seasons. Um, and I was just wondering, like we, me and Cammy were talking about whether, and I guess your opinion as well, as to whether you think that TV series will actually become sort of bigger than movies um and as much as the big stories right. from now on like why would you make a, a trilogy like the new star wars trilogy when mm-hmm. they get so heavily criticized by both fans and critics when you can just make yeah. a tv series and do it like 
at your own pace sort of spread out? I think, see, I've listened to a lot of like directors and everything talk about this and people I, I know that I work with. I think that um, there's going to be a place for TV um, to exist in a way that um, the pe- people I think are starting to finally realize how TV can be super effective and how films can be effective in their own right. And I think that because they're calling it now the golden age of television with Game of Thrones, with Watchmen, with all like the big, big shows like that. Um, and I think what Disney learned was that the Mandalorian is giving it that time to breathe, to mm-hmm. like to, to really tell a story and like give it its every aspect, especially since like Star Wars is such a universe building. Yeah, well, uh, that, that's massive thing. too. So I think that the TV like show aspect of doing of using star wars for that using it in the tv world is so important for something that big um especially like because now they're going to do the obi-wan kenobi series and and etc to like dive into that story i think that it's such a perfect medium for star wars Mm -hmm. right not to say though i think they'll start to figure out better ways to approach the films i think that that might be what happens um as they move on but my general opinion is that like TV show or TV has such a big place now that it's, I think it's on par with cinema in its own way that mm. um, I don't think can be overlooked anymore. And I think now every story has its place. Yeah. I always wondered if they would ever do, I know some places did it for game of Thrones, whether like, obviously not right now, COVID lockdown, all the rest of it. Uh, but whether yeah. sort of TV shows will make it to the cinema one day. And as much as like you have mm. like a, a monthly or, or yearly subscription to the cinema to go and, you know, watch the oh, next season of The Mandalorian each right. Monday or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it is definitely interesting. I think I definitely agree with what you're saying about Star Wars specifically because the universe is so big and also the story is so big to the point where there's there's not really just ever one main character. And the same mm-hmm. with Game of Thrones, right? Game of Thrones had so many characters in it that it's impossible to do that in a movie because mm-hmm, you couldn't mm-hmm. ever fall in love with any one character. So having episodes that either really focus and give time to each character or even location and where they are, I think yeah. Yeah, could only be done that way. I could never imagine anyone attempting to do Game of Thrones in a movie and yeah, do it because yeah. they wouldn't do it justice. Um, yeah. So yeah, I agree. I think that the movies for Star Wars sort of going th- forward should be very specific sort of stories or points to hit on. Um, mm-hmm. kind of like what Rogue One did actually Rogue One is a perfect Star Wars movie in my mind because yeah, it only focused yeah. on one very specific part of something yes, um, yeah. and it wasn't like all this like the first 10 minutes is like okay we're on Tatooine now we're on you know uh, Coruscant now we're on this planet and like going yeah, all over the we're place going and, everywhere. and everyone gets confused Mm-hmm, uh, 100% yeah I agree with that alright cool right I'm glad I got to bring that up because yeah TV shows versus movies for me is like is like a huge thing and uh, mm-hmm. I, I generally wonder where it's gonna go and I guess it, for your career I hope movies are around <laughs> for a long time <laughs> yeah uh, well I mean I wouldn't mind going into the TV show world either it's very it's such a big it's basically like it's they have such big budgets now that you're basically on a movie just for eight episodes in comparison to one yeah. month or six four months of a film right so it might even be a longer continue. contract, so you could get paid. More. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so Mandalorian that. season three, you're available, and if uh, yes. if John Favreau, anyone's listening, uh, we yes. can leave your details Hire below. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, John. <laughs> All right. Okay. Um, once again, just to, just a note, we said this in the last one, but uh, we are recording this after having watched a bunch of episodes. So the last episode that's been out recently has been episode five of season, or oh, sorry, chapter. 
well, that would be chapter 13 um, yes. of season two, um, which both myself and Mahmood st- and Cami as well, he was freaking out. We're all freaking about that episode. We are getting to it. Um, but these two episodes for me are hugely important. Episode, uh, I'm just going to refer to them as one and two rather than the chapters or whatever they are. But season, uh, season two, episode one and two that we re- we just reviewed with, with Cami. Uh, Mahmood, your, your thoughts on those? I thought we are, to sum up, we thought they were pretty good sort of episodes to begin the season, although there wasn't too much storyline happening. They were like really cool looking and good sort of like stories. But now yeah. the two episodes that we're about to view, I think are very heavy hitting in the story sort of um, side of it. Yeah, I think uh, I agree with that. One or two are very good to build, just like to throw us back into the Mandalorian universe and just to understand everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, people criticize number two for being kind of a bottle episode, which I don't disagree with, but I still enjoyed it because yeah. visually it was just cool. And it was like, well, I've never seen this planet before. Yeah, I didn't think about episode two being yeah a, a filler bottle episode or anything like that until rewatching mm-hmm. it. And then I was suddenly mm-hmm. like, oh, this really didn't have much going on i mean i thought it was cool i don't know if you know this but the original sort of like concept art for star wars had those spiders in it and oh yeah 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 so like little, cool. little things like that and and whatnot, yeah. i thought were cool to the character and i thought that if anything that episode sort of builds on baby yoda's connection to sort of beings in as much yeah. as i would hope. oh yeah because it's sort of like with baby yoda i imagine it's like raising a kid which i've never done so i have no clue but i imagine it's sort of like you have to sort of you know, raise them the right way, right? So you can't see too much bad stuff. You've got to try and be good, you know, manners and all this. And him, like, eating the eggs and yeah. then eating the spiders and then seeing the consequences of that. Like, I'm yeah. hoping it's, if anything, that episode is sort of for Baby Yoda to just show him growing up and learning something. Um, yes, yes. But other than that, like, if you just sit back, it's a pretty cool Star Wars episode and eat the, the start of it with the X-Wings and sort of the, the Razor Quest sort of flying in and out and all that. Mm-hmm. Me and mm-hmm. Cammy, like, both mine and Cammy's favorite movies are Top Gun, so that any sort of flying oh. scene, we we like we're we're dying for. You're in, you're in. Um, yeah, and the uh, nice ni- nice cameo from uh, Kim's Convenience. Okay, uh, right. Main character. You need to explain this because I keep seeing it pop up in all the like to the Toronto TO news websites and Instagrams yeah. and all this. I know I have no idea who this is, but it's, it's something to do with Toronto, is it not? Yeah, so there's a TV, a CBC TV show that's called Kim's Convenience, and it actually, it's kind of, have you heard of the show Schitt's Creek? Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so it's kind of gotten to that level of fame. Um, it's still not, it's still, it's just, they just actually wrapped season three. I know a few people who are on it, but regardless. Um, so the main character of that TV show, uh, he makes a cameo in the mandalorian which is wild because and he's, he's he's one of the x he's the x-wing pilot X with sort of the gray pilot. beard right beard yeah 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 exactly yeah because he's in insane. the one that we're about to talk to, as about as well he's at the end of one of these episodes um yes he reappears and it's just big for i think it's just big for that show in particular mm-hmm. because not only is it for him but one of the other actors simi liu he's or liu i don't want to mispronounce it but he's playing shang chi in the marvel's uh it's one of marvel's standalone films that are coming up and they're okay uh one of the superheroes shang chi so he so it's just big for canada in general and for that show because those are two very prominent canadian actors that, that have are now been sort of scouted from there from, going forward yeah <laughs> right oh. yeah and it just kind of like bridges like the the north hollywood i guess you would we call it and okay. hollywood hollywood cool. i'm glad you i'm glad you know that because i did i did have that written down in my notes but i didn't say it in the episode because like i don't really know who he is and i know that cammy yeah. definitely doesn't but i knew it was yeah. like a big toronto thing yeah um, yeah he's 
He's funny. People love them. Yeah, cool. Right. Well, there we go. Um, right. Let's jump into this. We've been talking for like such a long time. As we often do on yes. this podcast, we go on so many different tangents and take forever to yeah. get to any main point. <laughs> but we're going to start now. As I say, same as before, we're going to sort of go through the episodes, any sort of big points. Myself or Mahmood will sort of like pitch in and just sort of like explain um, anything we want to talk about. It's very geeky, but we try and go scene by scene. Again, spoilers, obviously. Uh, and yeah, so we'll start with chapter 11, which is episode three of season two, and it's called the the heiress. I can never say this word. The er- the heiress, right? Yes, yeah. It's okay. like kind of silent. <laughs> yeah, okay. Like, because I, I read it and I look at it and I get real confused, but it's yeah, chapter 11. Um, so yeah, as we sort of left off on the, on the episode before this, the, the Razor Crest has been pretty much beaten up and they're just in this mm-hmm. pressurized cabin, which I'm not sure of the science of that, but sure. Um, yeah. And you get this beautiful shot sort of flying through over this planet and the, the Razor Crest is clearly like beaten up. I think even the, the hangar door is like open. Yes, and it's yeah, like yeah, coughing yeah. and spluttering its way towards the planet, which they finally arrive on and they sort of like burn up on arrival. And, you know, it's coming down. Everyone on the radio is telling them, you know, you know, slow down, slow down. You're coming in too fast sort of thing. He does a pretty right. cool move where he puts the back burners on almost in reverse just before the platform. And it's a classic yes. sort of, oh, he's, he's done it. And then, yeah, boof. And then boof, land. Yeah. Engine There's blows a... and he's in the water. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there's actually uh there's a reference here. I don't know if you, I don't know if you had known this, but Bryce Dallas Howard is the one who directed this one. Okay. And she's the daughter of Ron Howard, a big, big time director. Right. Um, and the one shot of the, the, the ship coming through the sky and burning up mm-hmm. is a big reference to one of his movies that he did when I can't remember which movie in particular, but there's this very specific scene where there's a ship or something coming from the, from the, the sky and it, she essentially was just it made me think there. of two movies it made me think of a movie called apollo 13 which yes. was like when the sort of to do with one of the moon landings or attempted yeah. moon landings yeah. and then it also made me think real star trek vibes because there's been a couple times yeah. in star trek movies again jj uh, abrams i think where like the enterprise is sort of like coming in pretty hot <laughs> yeah and it has yeah. no way of stopping Yes, um, actually, Apollo thirteen is the reference. That's is Ron it? Howard's movie. Oh, yeah. boom! Look at us. Yeah. We're, we're flying. Look at us. Two yes. bullet points into my notes, and we already have a, a high quality <laughs> film student style like reference. Look at that. Um, yeah. So okay, so we're going sort of through a free fall. I noticed a, a little sound cameo. Well, not cam, not cameo. That's the wrong word. A little sound blip in here. When he's sort right. of like free falling, they play a pod racing um, sound effect of Anakin when he's trying to restart his pod racer because one of the engines died. It does like a oh, cough yeah. sort of choke thing. Yeah, yeah. So I picked up on that pretty quick. All oh. sort of pod racing sounds I pick on so fast because I've, I've I've abused watching all of that so, movie. Yes, yeah, yeah. Um, and then we have the first meme of the episode, which is the Mon Cala fisherman sweater. <laughs> yes. Did you see this? <laughs> yes, I love it. I am whoever is wardrobe for this show i am i so love happy. it too yeah, i love it, it so that. much because it's so <laughs> yeah. slap in the face but it's also just it just works so great yeah and i yeah. know that people are going to be cosplaying this and that yes. I, I genuinely think i might i love the sweater as well it's kind of christmasy yeah. it's like yeah. one of those knitted yeah. fisherman ones yeah. yeah and i want to even yeah. get it for myself or for mckinley and then say like the yeah. the, 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 pre- the christmas present note should be like may the force be with you or something like that <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, Mon, Mon Cala, for those who don't know, is sort of a, a creature. Uh, if you know Admiral Akbar, the one that goes, it's a trap, uh, that's him. Basically, big fish looking thing with huge eyes. And he's wearing this green fisherman sweater, which the internet has just ran wild with. Yeah, um, it's a very beautiful sweater. I, I love the color. It is great. It work well. Yeah. Um, yeah, so ship Razor Quest has crash landed. And then next thing we see this sort of crane thing, which I think looks like an 8080 that's been sort of. Yeah. Re like the top part doesn't really it looks a bit different, but it looks like an eighty eighty basically lifting the ship out. Which yeah, is, yeah. I, again, a little sort of like Star Wars universe builder. Just the fact, of course, they would use these. Why wouldn't they? And um, like rehouse it basically. Yeah, there's a lot of like rehouse sort of like Empire and Rebel stuff going on throughout this show, or even yes. like just things like the last one or sorry, episode one. I was talking about Anakin's like pod racer being used as like a. a uh, a sidecar sort of thing and whatnot um right yeah 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 so the mon Cala basically you know he he comes uh sorry mando comes out and asks if they can fix it and the mon Cala's like yeah i don't know if i can fix it but i can make it fly i'll try sort of thing um mm-hmm. and then this whole town uh, trask where we <laughs> are is sort of filled with mon Cala and the quarren which is like a thing from the clone wars you you learn more about the two species but basically they, they've always sort of lived together Mm-hmm. not always i've never heard of trask i don't think um i think they actually live on sort of mon calamari is the oh no sorry mon mon calamari is the name of the species mon Cala is the name of the planet so i've i've got those confused i love that name it's so fun to say mon calamari <laughs> yeah and then i think about going to a restaurant and eating calamari calamari oh, right yeah uh, we, we 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 should record a podcast next time and just have sushi and we could just sort of like yes Eat all you can eat sushi whilst recording a podcast. That Love it. Fun. I'm down. I'm in it. <laughs> okay, so the frog lady and her husband finally reunited. Baby Yoda's yes. eaten as many of the eggs as he possibly can, but they've still got some, yeah. so I guess they're pretty happy. Um, mm-hmm. And there's this little clip here, and I still, even though we're all the way up to episode five now, I still don't know the relevance of this, but it was in the trailer right. as well. There's this, like woman who's hooded and cloaked sort of in like a dark sort of like hood cloak and in the trailer they sort of show her as they mention like jedi or something um she disappears and she's there for the briefest of seconds like like just as uh sort of um din the mandalorian sort of looks that direction she's gone Um, right oh yes i remember Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i still yeah i don't know exactly what that has to do with anything I, I feel like it's another thing that's gonna come later yeah i don't know either but just because of how dark and black her robes were I automatically it made me think of either an inquisitor or sort of the sith um right or possible sort of jedi but again like i don't recognize her i don't think i know of any sort of cartoon that is sort of uh, that i would have seen anyone like her um, actually you know what i'm looking at it right now mm-hmm. she's one of the She's, it's like she kind of wipes away, right? At one point, like the crowd walks yeah, yeah, by yeah. and she goes away. She's actually one of the, the three that's with Bo-Katan later on in the episode. Oh, perfect. Yeah. Okay, yes. cool. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool, that's I, fine. Because I, I didn't know, I just saw you know briefly and I was like, oh, that was in the trailer. That was like a big point, but yeah. didn't, didn't, didn't know. Okay, cool. Glad we filled that in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then they go into the inn, sort of, you know, they sit down, they buy some of this fish gloop stuff, which does not look appealing at all. No yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they sort of uh you know the the innkeeper goes over to one of the uh the quarren um people and says you know like sort of uh 
sorry, Mandalorian's asking him for information about other Mandalorians, if any have been there. And he said there are other people mm-hmm. who have been wearing Beskar who have been here before. Right. You know, he buys this information from this other guy who says he's asking for passage. And if you actually, if you listen to it, you can't really hear it too well. But if you have the subtitles on, you hear the conversation between the Mon Calamari and the Quarren guy. And he says he's oh, asking okay. for passage. He's wearing Beskar. So he actually points oh. out to him pretty early on, the, like it, the betrayal that's about to happen. Oh, I, think I didn't know that. The innkeeper actually sort of like hints him off as it. He's like wearing mm-hmm. Beskar and he instantly stands up and goes over. Right. So, yeah, a little little advantage to watching it with the subtitles on. Um, yeah, I didn't know that. Yoda gets Ridley Scott attacked by an alien. Okay, I was I'm glad you picked that up. I was gonna, I was just gonna mention that. Yeah, yeah. No, it's definite face hugger reference. It's gotta be right. Yeah, it has to be. I, I have to. They, they, they reference so many things in this show that I that has to be one of them. Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad we're on the same page as that. But yeah, basically, Baby yeah. Yoga's sort of food chowder fish thing that an octopus squid type thing just jumps on his face. Uh, Mando <laughs> like barely touches it with his knife and it falls off yeah so it was I, very weird yeah it like he just i thought it was a special effect that didn't get added because i'm fairly certain his knife that he's pulled out before has got like this electric sort of sound effect to it like it's it's I, charged yeah yeah i think so too but or it's either that or the squid thing is just very sensitive so it's like yeah. if it sucks it's onto its um it's so, host then it just stays there but if its tentacle is messed with then... i suppose yeah that could be too i don't know it, it, it just seems but, he touches it too lightly for anything yeah, to actually I, happen yes so but yeah that's whatever anyway we then cut to the next sort of part where they're on a boat and i don't remember star wars ever being on a boat before really no no is this our first this is, boat yeah i think so this is what i loved about this episode actually is that we're in a very different type of world it's very isn't... weird because you yeah. know it's star wars but it also feels like completely different and yeah it's like right. a fi- even the whole fishing village in general i was like okay this is kind of cool whatever but like it, is, it doesn't you don't see many sort of like you know even electrical things around normally there's always a bunch of little lights or whatever blinking in star yeah. wars universes. yeah this takes i because you know in the movies everything's very much based on the the flying ships that are in space right Mm -hmm. but this kind of and like the tv show like the clone wars show and the first three as well will will bring you down to those universes but i think this show really takes you into like the the deep dark depths of the cities of the planets which i think is really cool yeah the (laughs) only other boat that i can recall off the top of my head is in the last jedi when mm-hmm. um finn and uh finn and the girl whose name i'm completely drawing a blank on oh rose rose, rose. yeah rose yes, i, I want to say yeah. right it's not right yeah rose yeah. when they sort of first pull into that casino sort of planet there's yes. this oh. there's this sebulba type thing that goes off the edge of a waterfall and then it starts to fly yeah um, yes yes but yeah that's the only other sort of boat that i could remember ever being yeah. in star wars so yeah, they, they, they arrive on this, so you see them on the boat, Mando's there, Baby Yoda's there in his little floating pram thing, and the the Quarren folk is talking to him and saying, like, have you ever seen a Mamacore eat? And straight away, like, I don't know what Mando's thinking, but I'm getting, like, bad vibes. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to, like, I don't <laughs> think you should really see a Kraken, like, you know, creature eat. Like, that's not exactly an appealing thing. Yeah. Um, so they go over to the edge, the cage opens. The fact that it's in a cage... Like, that's so heavy-duty as well is not a good good thing. 
No, um, no. And also, I, I didn't quite understand the structure of this boat, but I think it's inside the boat, right? It is's is. I think it's just a big tank that's okay. in the boat already and or in the hull I'm mm-hmm. assuming um and it lives within it but I had so many questions as to why they had it like because they yeah <laughs> because they say that they feed it every morning so it's not like they've just caught it and then they're gonna like bring it in or something it's like a pet yeah yeah that's and, that, and that's a weird thing and they're fishermen so they're going out to catch fish and they haul in these fresh fish but then they feed it to a bigger fish so yeah, I don't know maybe. But... Maybe I, their line of business is that they catch these mamacore things and they just make them really big and then they sell them. Well, see, that's the, the, I don't know. Wouldn't they sell it to the townspeople? You know, I for, don't know. Maybe yeah. they sell it to the empire. It's like the it's like the uh, oh the Zarlak pit of the water world. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's just these teeth. Anyway, speaking of teeth, uh, the Koran obviously bad dude kicks in Baby Yoda pretty quickly as well. I was kind of taken aback by yes. that. So Baby Yoda goes straight in, and just as you see sort of these Kraken-like teeth come around Baby Yoda, Mando must have pressed his button on his watch or something. His 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 you know Apple Watch must have had an app update, and it closes the pram just as it basically yes. eats Baby Yoda. Yeah, yeah um, as it does in the universe. Yeah, Mando, the amazing dad that he is, just dives right in, doesn't even think about it, and then nope. has a real bad time because he's got no plan. Um, he's just in there yeah he literally is he just sort of jumps in immediately realizes you know he can't breathe or whatever and he's going for air they're then like poking these spears sticks whatever through the thing trying to drown him and once again the reason as to this is because they're talking about the Beskar they want his armor and they're celebrating the fact that he's going to drown and the Beskar will be ours which you know we've we've already spoken about but Beskar clearly rules the world here um, yeah. Didn't realize how valuable a, a material it was until this series. Yeah, I thought it was just for like I thought it was valuable to the Mandalorians, but I didn't realize that it nested out so much to like the different planets and everything. Like yeah, that. there's there's it is kind of confusing. Um, I think it's that since the siege of Mandalore and whatnot, and sort of everything that's gone on there. Um, my my train of thought is that the empire are realizing how valuable the material is so originally it was sort of only valuable to mandalorians because it's sort of their home material and it's what they you know it's sort of um religiousized it almost like you know it became very much like an important thing to them but i think yes. now especially like anyone who's under sort of um uh the 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 current moff sort of like moff gideon's sort of like rule i think he's he's pushing for to get the best car so any so therefore oh. the price in the black market stock markets whatever has gone up for it yes so okay that that's makes my sense. only sort of thoughts about it because yeah it's never really yeah. been that big of a deal before um anyway just as sort of you know he's about to drown um we suddenly get this flash of sort of blue and silver as these blue and silver mandalorians arrive three of them start kicking ass and then they open up the cage and grab mando out and then he immediately says you know save the child one of them dives in um Mm -hmm. and if you've seen the clone wars or you sort of know anything visually about sort of mandalore you would pretty instantly recognize one of the girl's helmets Um, yes this this is the this is what i was going to ask you about actually okay i uh so okay so i'm i'm not fully complete clone wars yet for everyone that's listening so please forgive my foolery when i ask these questions about <laughs> the clone wars but um i know like early on in the clone wars there's this kind of uh what are they called like the something watch the They're death like watch 
Death Watch. The most yes. subtle. We were laughing about how subtle that name is. <laughs> yeah. Death Watch. <laughs> like, it's, it's incredible. Mm-hmm. So they're they're kind of like the antithesis of Mandalore. I'm assuming, right? Because I haven't gotten too much back into the Mandal- Mandalore just yet. But these guys, how do they fit in? If you can explain it without fully spoiling the Clone Wars for me. Okay, so you just you're wanting to know how the the ones in this episode of Mandalore, yeah, how they fit in. Okay, yeah. so yeah, without spoiling it too much, there's sort of the, there was Mandalore where um, Duchess Satine ruled it, which is the first introduction episode, and she's sort of a pacifist, yeah. you know, Neutral. peaceful. Yeah, yeah. And then the extreme end of that is Death Watch, which are wanting to restore Mandalore to what it was, and they're also very, very into like every single by the book sort of of their religion and history. Right. And, okay. And then whatever happens in Clone Wars happens, and and yada yada yada. But basically, the Death Watch splits one more time into sort of the extremists, which is. Right. If you think of the the Mandalore, Din, his character has been brought up by one of these extremist groups to the full, like, never oh. remove your helmet, never, like, you know, like, all these, the the code, this is the way, is like, the all way. that sort of stuff is that. But saying, when right. Death Watch sort of split one more time, there was sort of a middle ground of people who wanted to be Mandalorians and wanted to be warriors and wanted to sort of respect that, but weren't to the extreme and, like, old-fashioned as sort of death watch like want it to be right Um, and that's who without spoiling it too much that's who sort of bo katan is sort of the leader of that group so she's she's the best middle ground between complete pacifists and complete extreme religious like sort of uh cult almost she's right the middle ground there where she is is fighting and what she believes in but she also wants to like change things and and be modern and present she's a woke mandalorian that's there you go there's my description. <laughs> okay, this makes so much more sense now yeah. that you've equated it to our world. So Yeah, so, and again, it's going to even make more sense now that we go into this conversation that they straight away have. So, Baby Yoda gets rescued. You know, he comes out. His pram's pretty, like, beat up, sadly. So, I don't think we're going to see the little floaty pram anymore. Um, mm-hmm. So, buy the toys while you can before Disney... No, Disney will be releasing toys forever. <laughs> It'll be forever, uh, yeah. I want a floating pram just to have. I, just to, like, yeah. jump in and then, like, McKinley can walk me around the park or something. Yeah. <laughs> like, how great would that be? <laughs> I think it'd be incredible. You don't have to use your legs for a while. No, you know, like, she wouldn't even have to push me. she just have to yeah. press her Apple Watch and then, boom, <laughs> off we go. As we know, that Din has on his arm right now. Yeah, the, it's definitely <laughs> Apple. Who else would it be? Yeah. Oh, in fact, it's no, it's probably an Android hacked backwards, whatever. Yeah. You know what? It's the type of world. After the Empire, you know, Apple probably fell and everything. So. Yeah, pr- probably. Maybe Apple <laughs> is the Empire. Who oh, knows? Uh oh. <laughs> so, anyway, his, his pram is ruined, <laughs> but Yoda, thankfully, is okay. Um,. It was a really great scene. The fact that he did just dive in straight away really does show, I guess, more and more how much he cares for this kid and how much it is his sort of everything. Yeah. Um, which obviously, you know, next episodes, I'm sure the rest of the season is only going to become more apparent. Um, but straight away, sort of, you know, he's he's he sort of thanks the the three Mandalorians who are in the blue and silver, and the, there's there's two girls and one guy, and the two girls have got the sort of owl slit helmet. So it's not yeah. like a straight T across the helmet like the Mandalorian mm-hmm. has. It's sort of more like a, a Y, I guess. Yeah. Um, but they're called the Owl Helmets. Um, and again, without spoiling too much for you, there's, there's there's sort of like towards the sort of the name of what they call themselves is sort of the reason for that. Um, but yeah, sort of 
they then instantly oh, remove okay. their helmets and the Mandalore snaps like on, on a dime. He's pretty much just like, yeah. okay, now yeah. we've got an issue because I was thanking you, but now clearly like uh, Cobb Vanth yeah, in the first yeah. episode of this season, you've just, yeah. you know, you've bought this armor off of some Jawas. Yeah, yeah. You're um, not real Mandalorian. Yeah, so he said, like, where did you get yeah. that armor? Bo-Katan, you know, was explaining she's had this in her family for like three generations or whatever. And then the the, the Mandalorian to Bo-Katan's left, who I think his name is Axe, uh, Axe Wolf or something like this, the character's name. Um, he says mm-hmm. he's he's one of them. And then Bo-Katan mutters the uh, Star Wars swear word phrase, which is... Uh, Damp Vance or something like that. They said it in so many yeah. different episodes. Dan Dan yeah. Fe- Dan Ferrick, I think, is the is the Star Wars swearing. If you want to know that, um, but yeah, <laughs> I she did says. Not know that actually, that's interesting. Yeah, no, it, they've said they've said it in they say it in this episode. They say it in the next episode, and they've said it in a couple times yeah. in season one. Damp Ferrick. Yeah. Is, if you can urban dictionary it, and it will tell you what it means. <laughs> oh. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so anyway, she then removes her, you know, she's got her helmet off. We're talking about this. Mandalorian's clearly pissed off. She says that she is Bo-Katan, um, which is, you know, great intro. Again, character from the Clone Wars TV series. Uh, I think you already know this, but if, if you don't, uh, it might be a little bit of a spoiler, but it's not too crazy. She's the sister of the Duchess Satine, who is sort of oh. the pacifist lady. The pacifist, the the leader. Yeah. Oh, so I did not know that. It's her sister, um, which is why it's so important because she sort of is in the righteous sort of heir family. Yeah. I guess. Um, I, so, name of the episode being the heiress, or however you pronounce that. Yeah. That's that's uh, why. Oh, okay. That makes so much more sense. Mm-hmm. It's a tiny throwaway I, thing. They don't even do a big reveal on it in the Clone Wars. It's just a yeah. passing line. The two of them meet up and they're like, "Oh, hey, sister," and that's it. And they're like, "Oh, okay." Oh, okay. Um, huh, okay, interesting. I didn't yeah. know that the um, Bo-Katan, the person who voices her, is actually the one who plays her. Yes, too, which is very cool. Which is very, yes. Yes, which so the clone, the clone was, yeah, the actor um, who does the, the voiceover, yeah, does play the same uh, character in live action. And she looks yeah. great. Like, she, yeah. you know, I, I described her when I did, the, when me and Cammy did the history sort of episode and went through all the Clone Wars and Rebels and stuff leading up to the Mandalorian. Um, I just called her the ginger. So for yeah. all those who want to know, the ginger character, that's who Bo-Katan is. Um, yeah. And Which yeah, she cool, looks great. She looks really it doesn't good. Usually, that doesn't happen very often where the, the live action person plays the... Oh, sorry, the voice actor yeah, plays, plays the live them. action version. Yeah, yeah there was... Uh, we've, we've already mentioned it before in another episode, but uh, in season one of The Mandalorian, the voice actor who played Anakin Skywalker has a cameo. He is um, in one of the sort of filler episodes where they break the the Twilight guy out of jail on this sort of, um, you know, it's like a bounty hunter sort of mission where they break some out of jail. Oh, yeah. There's, yes, one, yes, yes, yes. there's one living uh, other person on the ship who's in the command center who, right. like, uh, uh, Bill Burr's character wants to kill immediately, but Mandalorian's, yes. like, tries to defend. That is Anakin yeah. Skywalker from the Clone Wars oh. TV series. Oh, yeah. Oh, so, that's cool. I did not know that. A little fun cameo <laughs> for you. Um, yeah. Anyway, back to this storyline. So, yeah, so she says, I am Bo-Katan. Um, you know, she's explained that she fought in the Purge and that she's the last of her line and that you are a <laughs> child. She says that you explains to um, the Mandalorian, you're a child of the Watch. And the Mandalorian, like, says puzzlingly, like, the Watch. Like, he has no idea what the Watch is. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so she sort of explains about Death Watch and sort of how their, like, you know, um, their goal was to sort of reestablish the ancient way. So again, being very sort of cult-like and religious to sort of the ancient way. Um, mm-hmm. And like they believe that this is the one and only way. And Mandalorian says like to them right there and then, you guys aren't Mandalorians. There is only the way of the Mandalore, which is why they yeah. say, you know, this is the way at the end of everything. See, um, coming from a perspective where I didn't know that, it's very interesting because I thought that that was like what all Mandalores were like, right? No. And just like, <clears throat> it's so interesting um, that like the longest time I'm like, man, this is intense. And it makes sense. This has to be a very certain species of people yeah. within the Star Wars universe. And then you add the politics of it all. And I'm like, wow. This well, is if, actually, you've, it, if you'd never seen the Clone Wars TV show, up until this point, if you'd seen the original three movies, Boba Fett never, sorry, uh, Jango Fett never removed his helmet. So that yeah, stands to yeah. reason. And then the only other one is Boba Fett in sort of the Clone Wars, where he does have his like his whole armor off. But whenever he, yeah, and he does sort of take his helmet off a couple of times. But again, there's there is there's no, as you said, like there's no real reason to to suspect anything bad about Din's character, the Mandalorian, and just yeah. you could easily assume that this is the way of the Mandalore. This is what Mandalorian is. Yeah, hundred percent. So then, if you watch this TV show and then went back to the Clone Wars, you'd probably be really confused as to why no one's wearing their helmet. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as I say, it's because he's been raised by this sort of actual sort of bad group, which is actually then going to be more and more interesting. And I've got another point to talk about it later on in this in in this episode. But it's sort of he's been brought up and raised from a kid in this sort of way, and we know that yeah. he's naturally becoming more and more of a good character, and he believes in what is right, and he's you know putting Baby Yoda's life ahead of his own, and all this different mm-hmm. stuff. So Bo-Katan's really sort of challenging his whole belief system at this point because yeah. she is, as I say, sort of the, the best sort of middle ground you could want. Like, she's she's a good character. But right, the Death right. Watch, even by the name, clearly aren't a good character. So I think mm-hmm. what we're building towards here is sort of the Mandalorian where he has to decide between the way of the Mandalore and this is the way and his sort of cult creed that he's been brought up with or going on to sort of this new modern woke mandalorian <laughs> as they're calling it um, yes yeah so i think that's going to be like a, a big sort of big sort of part and it seems like this that really sort of like start to show that um yeah so yeah so he says you know it's uh there is only the way of the mandalore and then he just straight away leaves like takes off with baby yoda and he's heading back to land and then rather quickly which is a little too quick for my liking but he lands and straight away we're into sort of another confrontation with the with the quarren you know they mm-hmm. uh, they say that you killed my brother and then the three mandalorians land again shoot everyone up and then say let's go for a drink and it's just like it happened very quickly and i didn't really get to enjoy yeah. it yeah yeah it's, especially because we just had sort of a fight and introduction he left and then instantly we're into another fight and reintroduction and yes yes kind of confusing it just all happens very very fast i agree very fast um but yeah so as i say sort of go go through that and then they go for a drink. They're talking about how Trask is a black market for weapons um, for, for the, and uh, the Empire sort of has presence here and they're trying to get these weapons so that they can retake Mandalore. That's that's her whole mission, Bo-Katan. She wants to retake Mandalore and that's basically mm-hmm. as much as you get. Um, so Din explains that Mandalore, the planet, is cursed and that anyone who goes there dies. So he's probably 
I don't know if he's ever been to Mandalore before or whether this is just what he's been told by his sort of like creed and, you know, his uh, group. Yeah. Um, but he clearly has absolutely no love for Mandalore and doesn't have any interest in it. So straight away says, no, I've got to take this kid, this foundling to the Jedi. Like, I don't. And it's kind of interesting because like he's, yeah, he's not committed to Mandalore as a Mandalorian. Um, so I don't quite know how the Death Watch have been raising them as to whether it's just sort of the yeah. way of the Mandalore, but without <clears throat> the planet. See, that's, I think, what based on my very limited knowledge of the Death Watch, I do think that they probably tried to separate themselves from um, Mandalore in general and just be like Mandalore's. And that's probably because, I mean, again, knowing that I don't know what happened to that leader who was once like a senator or something within that planet, mm -hmm. but probably because he he wants to keep control of his people and keep them away from that planet so that they don't learn of the yeah of, the, like, the truth again without sort of <clears throat> spoiling it the the death watch often comes into a collaborative partnership with different groups so i won't say who okay. it is but yeah. oftentimes death watch is actually used they're not really ever run by themselves um, oh i see okay so it is very it's very sort of like apparent and this this always seems to happen on mandalore so it's either yeah. you know just for, for for argument's sake i'm not saying if this is true or not but say like the 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 rebels use them they would use them on mandalore and the rebels would own mandalore and death watch would sort of just do the fighting it's, oh, been, it's, it's a, a lot of that happens in the clone wars and then a couple of times i think once in rebels as well and then mm. what from the information you've got so far about the great purge and whatnot it's probably obvious that it's happened again mm -hmm. so that was my only thing was that they don't death watch wouldn't want anything to do with mandalore just because they can't be controlled therefore they can sort of find their own place and start start anew with the all the cultural sort of beliefs that they have um right yeah, din's like really not interested he mentions about the jedi you know bo -Katan instantly sort of has a look around and says that she can take him to one of their kin so she can take mm -hmm. him to a jedi um but first we've got to do a mission and this just furthers my point that Mandalorian, the TV show, is a video game brought to life. Yeah. Because all you do is you get these missions, or you get this, like, I will give you the dagger of, you know, I don't know, I don't know, the sword of, the sword of wonder. But first, you must save my baby who's been stolen by a troll. And yeah. Then you will receive the sword of wonder. Yes, yes. It's exactly the what one, the Mandalorian is. That, yeah, that's the one thing I think I kind of... I don't hate it, but it's I don't love is that every episode has always been like a here's the adventure game yeah. part of it, and then you come back to the main the main like the overarching storyline. Yeah, yeah. If, if here's going back to our question about TV show versus movies. If the Mandalorian yeah. was a movie, they would get rid of all the side missions and they would just yeah. follow instantly. I know where the I know where you can find a Jedi, and then we go find the Jedi. Like Jedi, we wouldn't yeah. have these side missions. Yeah, um, yeah. So, so yeah, so, you know, he, he, he agrees once again, and it, he's definitely a bounty hunter at this point. He just gets hired for all these jobs. But yeah, yeah, the video game takes over, and they basically, all these Empire ships are leaving in the morning, uh, loaded with weapons. Um, so, basically, they're going to go heist this ship and take the weapons. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. the gist of it. Um, so, Din takes Baby Yoda back to the frog people with their eggs and says, you know, behave, and, like, you know what I mean. <laughs> Um, which is kind of funny <laughs> and risky, I think, that he leaves Baby Yoda with the eggs. Yeah. Um, but we have this very, very cute scene. And again, like going back to what I was saying earlier about the frog sort of people and that episode is about Baby Yoda's sort of conscience is uh, 
is that yeah we see this little frogling sort of like uh, tadpole thing hatch and baby Yoda smiles and laughs and sort of seems happy by this yeah so i think he's starting to realize that these are actually eggs there's every chance he didn't know before um so again sort of just playing with sort of i guess his his conscious there um which is it's a very i think like you said it's really good that they do that because otherwise you kind of like you know like it's not just this cute creature that just exists I mean, the other thing to keep in mind is that he's also 55 years old yeah, or whatever they Yeah, he's older than he lets on. <laughs> yeah, which, like, I don't ever... I keep forgetting, and then I remember, and I'm like, oh my god, this is yeah. so weird. Episode 5, as well, has a little bit of information in it. Let's just leave it at that, where you're like, oh, oh yeah. okay, so he really, like, is old. Is, is 50, real like, old. you know? Yeah. Like, he should yeah. know things. Yeah, um, he should be able to function. <laughs> yeah, but it's maybe a little something, something's something's off. Um, yeah. So anyway, yeah, we're on with the heist now. So they sort of show up. The second they show up on this ship, like it, it's taking off, and there's certain rules about how it has to go, you know, a certain way out before it can go off into space because of like mm-hmm. the harbor town or whatever. Obviously, if they fire the jets too much, the harbor town will basically be blown away. Um, oh, no wake zone, no wake zone. Have yeah. You heard of that? Yeah. No, there but I, I, that makes sense now that you said it. Yeah, is that's this a like sailing a, thing? It's a sailing thing. Here yeah, we go. Get, well, go and, on, go on, Mahmood. Get your sailing <laughs> okay. thing in here. Tell us. So when when you're around a docker and there's an area that's called the no wake zone, which means that if you're in a powerboat or anything that's motorized, mm-hmm. you can't go super fast because otherwise you're gonna start to create wakes, okay. the, right? And it's gonna start affecting the the docks, and the yeah. docks will start going all over the place. And if you you know if you have a powerful enough engine, you might. So, even in the world of the galaxy of Star Wars, they are abiding by, like, sailor lore here. Yes, exactly. Which is good. I now get why you love this episode so much. The fact there's a boat, there's sailing lore. (laughs) I'm basically one with the Navy in this one. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Well, because of that, that's that's when they decide that this is the best time for the heist, because they can jet back up there while it's it's not breaking the no-wake lore or whatever. And uh, that's when they go for it. Um, they sort of fly up there, um, and the, over the comms, there's straight away sort of you, you hear this, um, uh, like uh, I think they call them pirates, um, yep. which again in the Clone Wars the most famous pi- pirate is this guy called Hondo. I don't know if you know him yet or not. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, Hon- I, Hondo is a character I want to see in live action so badly. Me too. Yeah. So if because I would be interested as to which comedian could play him. Um, yeah, he's, he's a, very humorous. Yeah, he's a fun character. So the second they said pirates, I was like, oh, I hope Hondo like might get thrown in here somewhere. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so pirates again, um, and then the, the we go to the main sort of cockpit control center of of the Empire ship where there's this officer who says, you know, guard guard the hole, seal the hatch. Um, and when they seal the hatch, there's another pod racer sound bite in there. Oh. <laughs> Just because obviously, yeah. So. so cool. They close the door. Um, yeah. I don't. I don't have the timestamp for this, but when he says "seal the hatch, close the door," they close it, and it's the sound of when Anakin like pushes to put his like thrusters back on and engage the engine. Oh. So they've okay. done it where his engine was choking when the when the thing was falling, and then when he finally punches it back in, that's the sound of the door closing. Right. Right. It's or at the very least, it's very similar. Like, I'd be I'd be shocked if I was wrong, but like it is. Yeah. I think it definitely is. Um. So another little pod racer sound bite in there, which I loved. Um, sorry, I've lost my place now in my notes. Yeah, so the engine sound. There's also like you can hear the standard sort of Empire alarm in sort of which was used in the Rogue Toxic. One trailer. 
which I love. I love it too. I don't know how they do it. Uh, I don't know what instrument or synthesizer that does it, but I need it in I my know. life. It's so haunting. It and is. I love it so much. There was a, a slight sidetrack here. The Rogue One trailer, where it does that mm-hmm. sort of repeated alarm over and over again, is haunting. Yeah. yeah. In the yes. same way that like the Jurassic World trailer, when it was the first oh. time Jurassic Park was coming back and they did the intro, but on a piano yes only. yes and I, it was very echoey yeah, yeah i thought it was the same sort of level of haunting that i was like oh that's cool like a slight yeah. twist on it but you still know what I, it is i don't know for sure but i want to say that the star wars universe took it from uh like world war Two when you'd hear the siren the sirens going for, off like, when there when was bombing like, raids the, were coming over coming yeah like that kind of very um, possible sound but they made it in their own way but i like like on the rogue one trailer i absolutely love that trailer that i had no idea what rogue one was i didn't even know what any i didn't understand any of it before mm-hmm. it had come out and i was like i'm in take me to the yeah. greediness of rogue one yeah yeah and, and yeah they used that sort of alarm the same, the same yeah. way again to sort of like really really push on sort of the fear level of how serious that movie's gonna be it's not just like yeah. you know it's a star wars movie it's like oh this yeah. is an adult Sorry. star wars movie <laughs> yeah um so yeah, so they sort of, you know, close the door, all that, and then they, we sort of, it's interesting, like, I noticed, that, I don't know if you did, but like, the, as the three sort of Mandalorians who are going about, sort of Bo-Katan's, you know, though that group are moving, they mm-hmm. put Din and the Mandalorian at the very back, and he's always like one step slightly behind, so the three yeah. of them are always, they land straight away, and then he lands like a second later, and then they enter through yeah. this building, and they go against the wall, and then he sort of stumbles against the wall. Right, yeah, yeah. I'm actually just looking at that right now. Yeah, they do a really, really good job of sort of showing how well-drilled and trained Bo-Katan and her troop are and how the Mandalorian's so used to working alone that he can't quite keep the beat. Keep, yeah, with... And it's very little things like that that are just so incredible that I, like, commend Bryce Dallas Howard and and everyone who wrote it, like, for doing because it's... Like, those little things change everything. Exactly, always, and it, it makes right? so much sense. Like, it's a tiny detail yeah. that I, I think everyone will notice, whether they notice it to the point where they would bring it up or not, I don't know. But mm-hmm. it's just, it's there. And then it also, like, echoes it and then foreshadowing later when they're in a bit of a tight situation and the Mandalorian just goes on his own again to sort of, like, yeah. deal with it. Because yeah, it just yeah, clearly yeah. shows that he's so used to doing this stuff alone that he can't quite keep the beat of, like, a well-groomed and trained sort of team. Like- team tactic yeah yeah but something i had to yeah i don't know who i would give props credit to there as if you're saying the director then fine but i i loved that i thought it was a great little yeah. like thing yeah um and then you hear this cool cool little call over the radio it's like how many are there and the guy's like at, at least 10 maybe more and he's like freaking <laughs> out and then he says they're mandalorians and then sort of the radio cuts out and you see like the officer in the main sort of thing like face sort of change a little bit as he clearly like understands that they're in trouble yeah mm-hmm and then, uh, yeah, he he then explains, knows that he's in trouble. So then he says, breaks breaks the no wake rule and says, start yeah. to climb and just tells them to, to go up. <laughs> and starts ripping it, and then yeah. that's it. It's game over for that town. <laughs> would you have Would you have gotten the the coast guard and gone and like yes. find that ship? And yes, uh, I would have been like, get them out of here, Gail <laughs> get all them of them out of here. I hope they blow up. <laughs> um, yeah, so. Then we have the whole sort of cargo bay scene. So all the sort yes. of troops and, and a commander are in the cargo bay with all the weapons where they're trying to get to obviously steal these weapons. And then the commander like gives this sort of speech of like, we will hold our ground. We're going to do okay. 
And the second the Mandalorians come through the door and start shooting people, he shits his pants and just says, close all the doors. Yeah, he's you done. Know, he's done. He's peaced out. He hides yeah. behind the little he, thing. His voice changes. Yeah. Great. Um, <laughs> yeah. And then it, it comes over the comes over the uh the comms that don't worry sir we've trapped them in the cargo control room right and yes you're yes. just instantly like oh you fucking idiot like <laughs> yeah yeah he, i mean just it's game over and you're yeah. just like oh he says no it, the, the officer questions he's like where 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 are they trapped and it's like the cargo control and then the doors open and boom out they go done I thought and the only risk need... of this was hoping that the weapons were strapped down, because otherwise the weapons are out the back as well. But I guess it's only the people, and I think maybe one crate that goes out. Um, yeah, they, they thought about that. <laughs> yeah, and then Bo-Katan goes over the radio, and she's she's pretty badass, and you know says you know we're coming for you sort of thing. Um, mm-hmm. But then says that she's basically we're we're taking the whole ship which then the mandalorian din is like instantly like hang on we were just originally going to take the weapons now we're taking the whole ship um and she says that there is something i need if i am to rule mandalore something that was once mine they know where it is and soon i will um right so do you know what that's referencing or or yeah i i was confused a bit about that one okay so she says it later in the episode so it's not really spoilers but she's referencing the dark saber there Um, okay right okay yes 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 for sure that's what i figured yeah okay okay. yes she's sure i don't know why she doesn't just tell him but i guess maybe she still doesn't trust him fully so she says you know something but she's 1000 percent referencing the dark saber din hasn't seen the dark saber as of yet no no he doesn't doesn't know but, he doesn't know that Moff Gideon is alive yet. But again, if he's been raised by sort of this creed and the history of Mandalore and all this sort of deep stuff, it is very much right. in the sort of tradition and history of Mandalore that whoever has the dark saber is the leader of Mandalore. Oh, like that's I like see. the sort of law. Um, it's basically that oh. anyone who had who had the dark saber. Again, brief history. We've been over this before, but like, it was a there was a Jedi Knight who was a Mandalorian who became a Jedi Knight and he made the dark saber. And then he yeah. eventually led the Jedi, he left the Jedi Order to go and save Mandalore because, again, you had all these clans and families that were all in yeah. civil war. He went back and with the Darksaber managed to, to unite the whole planet. So right. that's the significance of it. So basically any leader of Mandalore who's ever managed to unite everyone has had the Darksaber. Darksaber. So, she so this wants... complicates things for Din very much so. Massively. Because if he yeah. does know that, which I'm assuming he would through folklore and storytelling and whatever, yeah. it's then really going to mess with him later down the line. When, yeah, um, okay. But yeah, as you say, to this point, he doesn't know. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so she says this, and then he's... Din then replies saying, you're changing the terms of the deal. Which is a great little throwback to Empire Strikes Back, where Lando Calrissian oh. and Darth Vader are talking about like Han yes. and Leia, and about in uh, Darth Vader says, "I am altering the deal. Pray I don't alter it any further." And it's like a it's like right. a little yes, thing yes. between those two. Um, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so yeah, I think that's I think that definitely has to be a throwback to that. Um, and then, so he says. Yeah, so he says, you're changing the terms of the deal. And then Bo-Katan, in the most badass way, just sort of looks at him and goes, this is the way. And then, like, walks out. <laughs> yes, Which yes, is a I complete, like, slap in the face of just like, okay, fine. Yes. <laughs> Fuck you. I love that. Mm-hmm. And they use, yeah, with the the way she throws the dialogue back like that's yeah. genius right it's because like it's that's so like good. i mean by by comparison i guess the only other thing in star wars is like saying may the force be with you at the end 
And it yes. would be kind of as if a Jedi who was slightly upset with someone used it as like a pun in their face. Well, like, may the force force you in the face or, or yeah, something. Like, yeah. so, I don't know. But yeah, <laughs> she's really just good, like, you're yeah. altering the terms of the deal. It's like, well, this is the way. And then she walks yeah. off and it's like, oof. Really good moment there. Good line. Whoever wrote that, credit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go to the cockpit and we see Moff Gideon for the first time in season two. Um, he sort of pops up on a oh, uh, yeah. holo, ho, what, the hologram. Ho, hologram, that's it. Yeah. Um, I was going to say holocron, which is definitely not <laughs> it. Uh, a hologram, he pops up and uh, basically, you know, the, the captain's saying we need backup. Moff Gideon's like, who is it? Is it the same people as before? He's like, yeah. And Moff Gideon says, you won't get like no backup. We'll reach you now. You know what to do. And then says, long live the Empire. Which isn't necessarily a throw to lion king but i mean long live the king long live the empire i mean yeah, it's pretty yeah, much yeah. mufasa Come on. so yeah disney has to throw that one in there <laughs> disney <laughs> it is it could be i don't know i heard it <laughs> um i believe it yeah so they repeat long live the empire to each other and then he instantly sort of kills the pilots which was kind of like okay we're really like this like moff gideon's clearly got his troops his lead whatever to sort of this level of commitment, which I thought was pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, goes instantly into a nosedive, and you know, and then that's pretty much his his role for the rest of it. Mm-hmm. They cut back to the Mandalorians. They're in a bit of a tight spot, and as I referenced earlier, this is where Mando sort of goes off by himself and sort of you know just does things his own way. He runs down the corridor attacking these stormtroopers. He's getting pelted at by this sort of like heavy assault rifle or whatever. Um, throws the grenades, they blow up, they're into the cockpit, um, and this is probably like the last, like sort of like uh, like I guess fighting that you really see. Um, yeah. But again, just echoing the fact that I think that he's so used to fighting by himself and working by himself that he just deals with things by himself. Yeah, um, and he definitely earns his sort of reward at the end of this because, as I said, the rest of it was sort of like one step behind. So I really felt like he was there, but also did they really need him? Whereas at this point, I yeah. guess he kind of saves their asses. So. They, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, we then have um, they get into the controls. They start obviously trying to pull the thing up, but Bo-Katan wastes no time. She doesn't even worry about the ship pulling no. up. She just grabs the <laughs> officer straight away and asks, "Where is it? Is it? Yeah." Um, and then he says, uh, the Darksaber, does he have it? Um, which is would be the first time, I think, that Din is in earshot of hearing anything about the Darksaber, yeah. but doesn't seem to pay attention to it. Yes, because yes. he, he, he didn't see it at the end of the last season, right? No, because he, he, he only pulled it Moff out. Gideon's dead as well. Like at yeah, he'll, and Moff Gideon only brought it out when he comes out of his, his yeah. ship, and he's like, okay screw all this <laughs> yeah so this is the first time that din would be in earshot but definitely doesn't like seem to have any reaction to it but then it's also yeah. the first time that it's actually called the dark saber because yeah unless you googled it you would just assume that this guy has a black lightsaber and you'd be like okay that's cool whatever yeah yeah um so it refers to the dark saber so again people now have something to google um yeah uh you might let me like but he oh sorry i'm trying to read my own handwriting here yeah so then he then says like you might let me live like she promises him that this officer that she's gonna let him live if if he tells her um where he is referring to moff Mm -hmm. gideon um and then he says you might let me live but he definitely won't and then he sort of bites down on a cyanide tooth that's elect electrified or something it's like the star wars 
World War Two spy sort of yeah yeah um which was pretty cool again sort of I agree yeah you know it's a period of war and it makes sense really yeah nice little I mean there's a lot of World War Two references in this whole in this newer era of Star Wars I would say especially in like the last Jedi or oh no in the Force Awakens when he's um, oh, I forget the villain's name, but he's standing up there talking to his troops, and there's these Nazi banners. And yeah, everything. the um, General Hux, the ginger. General Hux, the other yes, ginger yes. in Star Wars. The other ginger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're definitely right. There is a lot, and I think Rogue One as well. Sort of. Also, yes. some of the weapons in Star Wars are clearly like World War Two, sort of like just yeah. slightly tweaked or, or edited. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so sort of yeah, he bites down the electric tooth. No more good. Anyway, they sort of pull up the ship. Everything's fine again, um, and then Bo-Katan finally gives up the information about the Jedi, and we get what every single fan's been wanting to hear forever, which is take the Foundling to the city of Caladan um, on the first forest of Corvus. There you will find Ahsoka Tano. Tell her you were sent by Bo-Katan. Yes, and yes. this is. That huge was... even if you haven't Beautiful. finished clone wars you know who Ahsoka yes. Tano no is. yeah yes yes yeah. i had been waiting for her to be brought into the to the live action world for so long i mean very with my very limited knowledge of ahsoka and her her legacy but mm-hmm. i thought she was gonna be in the rise of skywalker actually i, I thought, thought so gonna... too i thought if she yeah. was gonna make a live appearance the last movie like she's got to be in it somewhere her voice yeah. was in it but that her was voice it. yeah but yeah yeah um but yes, Ahsoka Tano, we've now been told for sure, is going to be in this. Um, and obviously, we can't we can't say any spoilers about anything, but my initial thoughts on this, when this happened, I was like, okay, this is the season finale. We're, we're going, you know, I, we don't know at this point, obviously, but like, I'm saying full on for sure, season finale, you know, she's, she's going to be the last thing we'll see, and then that'll be sort of season three going into it. Um yeah. But yeah, very exciting. I think the internet freaked out. Also, the fact then straight away the sort of questions were raised: who's going to be playing her? Like, can like the voice actor do it, the same as Bo-Katano or not? And oh yeah, oh I I swear, interesting. I knew who was going to play her. Oh, you already knew Some, this ahead. Yeah, I think they they announced it a while back, which oh, I kind of okay. wish I didn't know. I wish I didn't know who it was going to be, only to like have the surprise factor mm-hmm. when that comes out later on but oh, okay yeah right but i agreed yeah I, I i didn't know at this point i had all the sort of questions yeah. like who's gonna play her how is she gonna look because Sokotano, for those who don't know i can't remember what species she is but she looks like a twi'lek which is sort of the star wars characters with the long sort of like ear tail head things that go down either side of them um mm-hmm. she's got three she's got one down going down her back the back of her head sorry and then two on either side at the front and she's got orange skin um, with sort of white tattoos on it. Um, yeah. It's a very, very cool looking character. And in animation, she she's a very agile and sort of acrobatic character who, who moves around mm. a lot. So it's always yes, going to be yeah. a challenge to bring that character to live action. But Ahsoka is also Dave Filoni's um, sort of child, if you will. That's like he a, yeah, fully wrote yeah. this character, put everything about him into this character. So she is sort That's... of like the best of what the jedi could be and should be maybe um, yeah so yeah super exciting to hear this and i think every everyone and their their internet reddit friends like just blew up <laughs> so um <laughs> cool to hear um and then sort of they end their conversation with a this is the way this time not said sarcastically um 
you know the 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 nosedive is like finished and then like but uh din just runs off the side of the ship goes to pick up the kid and sort of swan dives over the edge very much like iron man and he yeah, sort of just takes yeah. off and i was like okay cool fair enough like there was no need to be that epic about it but it is a cool moment i could just imagine them filming it and like bringing out the crash pads for that and they're just like oh what's the, yeah what are we doing here oh, okay so he's gonna run and jump off the edge of the ship head first in like a swan dive okay break, call in the stunt guy for that we'll get him in we'll get some crash pads. that's the most intense way we can do this yeah why 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 can't he just go to the ledge and take off like they always no. do but no he swan Easy. dives no he swan dives it's very cool though so i appreciated it um and yeah, I'm fairly certain that's pretty much the end. Oh no, the last little thing. So yeah, he swan dives like Iron Man. We go and see Baby Yoda and he's playing with this baby little frog and he's very sad to leave it when Din comes and picks him up. Um, again, I think just sort of playing on the sort yes. of like Baby Yoda where he's currently at. Um, we then get back to the Razor Quest, which he has then paid a thousand credits for, for it to look like I put it together with a hot glue gun and a piece of string. <laughs> Yes. And one final face hugger <laughs> reference where this little octopus thing is inside the cockpit and sort of comes down from above and is going towards yes. Baby Yoda. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Din just turns around right as this thing's just above him and like catches him. Yeah. And I instantly thought of when Qui Gon Jin catches Jar Jar Bink's tongue and says, You must have Jedi reflexes to sort of, <laughs> you know, do this. Yeah. So I'm calling it right now. The Mandalorian is a Jedi, or is going to be a Jedi, because of those Jedi reflexes. Honestly, anything is possible at this point with this show. Anything is possible. And that's pretty much the first episode. Um, what, the, the first one that we're talking about. Um, do you still have time to go on to the next one? Is I've made it like quicker notes, or do you have to be somewhere? No, no, I'm good. I still have time. Awesome. Let's keep this show rolling, then. Yes. So, we're now on to um, Chapter 12, which is called The Siege. And this... In my opinion, definitely up until this point, of the four episodes, this is the best one so far. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, and the, I would agree. The craziest thing about this episode is it was directed by Carl Weathers. Um, I presume, yes. I'm fairly certain. Yes. And this is the first it time is. he's ever directed anything. Yeah, this is his first his debut, the directorial debut. Yeah, and if I was a director and this was my debut anything, I would be chuffed. Like, I know, I they, agree. This is a, a very great pivotal episode. episode. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously he has a good story. So like whoever whoever the writers were, they gave him a good story to go through. But on the same yeah. level, he had a he had a big story that he could fuck up, but does really yeah. well. He, um, yeah. And I I think he was not set up to fail. Like I think there were a lot of people supporting him and helping him, which is very nice. So it's like it's a very good first directorial thing to do without yeah. And he got, it's also important to note that he actually he stars in this as well. So yes. Carl Carl Weathers yes. for those who want the visual he is a character's name Grief Cargo. Um mm -hmm. so he's sort of like uh the the leader of the guild initially and then now as we find out in this episode he's basically the mayor of this town. Um so yeah so we'll, we'll go through the episode. We open up with obviously the ship as we just said has been left with nothing but a glue gun and pieces of string. And yeah. baby Yoda is in this little gap trying to and Mando's trying to get him to fix wires. And he, for about two minutes, is saying, put the blue wire where the red wire is and put the red wire where the blue wire is. Yes. And we get this cute little scene of an electrified baby Yoda 
And it's just a, it's this tiny little thing, but I, I think it was, you know, again, sort of building on that father and son sort of feel of yeah, like, you know, you vibe, get your, yeah. your dad asks you to help with some DIY around the house or fix something and it's ultimately not going to work and he should just do it himself. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then we get this next little scene, which again could just be a cute thing, but for me it means it means more, um, is that we get a little scene of the Mandalorian and Baby Yoda sitting next to each other drinking soup. Um, oh, yeah. And the Mandalorian lifts his helmet the tiniest bit so you can see his chin to drink this soup. And I think this is huge because in season one, when he's in that little like grass town thing with the girl that he kind of fancies, he has to eat alone. He says, I eat alone and that's it. Like, you know, I can't take off my helmet. No one can see me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And here he's clearly eating next to Yoda and Yoda actually looks up at him like, and from the height difference, he can maybe see a bit of his face here. We definitely see his chin on the camera. Yeah. And I think that it's him starting to let go of the like complete strict sort of rules and regulations of the, of the way. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's very interesting because he also, I mean, it's also for us as viewers, we only have seen his face when he was like completely smashed up. Right. Yeah. At one point, but like, it, it it's also him in a way opening up to us in a weird way like yeah. as, our, as the audience watching him go through this story he's like oh you know what i can show people nice i, did, I didn't think bit. of it on that level but yeah very 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 yeah. good point um yeah yeah and it, it's so prominent as well after sort of like just meeting bo-katan and bo-katan mm-hmm. obviously took her helmet off but explained yeah. like she definitely is like mandalorian and he maybe knows yeah. a little bit about her so so I think he's like, I was like, okay, other people are doing it. Maybe it's okay. Like, maybe I won't yeah. burst into flames. Um, so yeah, kind of cool. He's but he's he's slowly becoming woke. <laughs> yeah. He's whenever he eats Mando. soup, he tests it a little bit. Um, yeah. I love that. I want that to be merch. I want the woke Mandalorian or something <laughs> on a t-shirt. The woke, the woke Mando yeah. with, a, with, a, with a helmet just peering up just a bit. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah, so uh, they're let's say like the that that whole scene ends, and they Mandalorian says that they got to go back to Navarro, which is again where the guild and sort of episode one takes place, and and a lot of mm-hmm. season one takes place. Um, and there's a very very quick scene, which I don't really need to go into too much detail, of Cara Dune, who's this who's the who's the badass female character in this sort of story, um, mm-hmm. and she's possibly in the Mandalorian armor's hideout, where there's a bunch of like clear sort of like thugs or criminals. And she's sort of just collecting oh, yes. their stolen goods. Um, not really much more to say on that other than she's clearly sort of, you know, running the lore around here. Yeah, this um, is her intro. Yep, yeah, he then lands. We introduce Grief Cargo and uh, who, the Cara Dune character, again, back with Mandalorian and Baby Yoda. Um, mm-hmm. She's introduced as the Marshal. So, again, we sort of straight away know her sort of character role. Um and Carl, Carl Weber's character, Grief Cargo, you know, greets him with a big sort of handshake, says, you know, we'll fix your ship right up, which is good because, my yeah. God, does the Razor Quest need, like, an, a decent <laughs> fixing? It's so it's bad at comical. this point. <laughs> well, I, I joked with Cammy because in the first episode of this season, he lands in Tatooine mm-hmm. and gives says his sh- lets the droids work on his ship and says, yeah, you know, you can give her a once-over. She probably could do with a once-over. And then yeah. I'm just laughing because the like the, the amount of damage that the ship goes through, the fact that he cares about a once over, is yes, ridiculous. Yes, yes. Um, 
so yeah, we then sort of like get a very quick look at the town. Um, it's clearly alive and, and, and busy and looks pretty good, very healthy versus the last time we saw it, which was under seas from Grand Moth. Um, and the sort Empire. of, yeah, the empire and all the damage they'd done, even down to the, mm-hmm. the very bar where they had their sort of last stand sort of fight, um, is, yeah. is, has now become a school. Yeah. Which is cool. I don't remember which really so ever cute. seeing schools in, in Star Wars, but cool. Good to know. Um, no yeah yeah and we get this very very... lives in that school for the episode (laughs) we get the very very cute scene of baby yoda going to school for the first time (laughs) yes and he does what most kids do where he sits down looks around finds the kid who has a snack right next to him and basically like wants some of these blue macaroon looking things which look damn good yeah, they look delicious. <laughs> but also, it's just further evidence that everything in Star Wars that looks good has to be blue, apparently. Whether it be yeah. blue milk, blue alcohol, blue macaroons. <laughs> and marketable. Don't forget marketable. Ah, of course. <laughs> that's, what, that's why. Because I know now that Disney's uh, Galaxy's Edge is going to have the, yeah, ma- the blue, the blue macaroons store. Yes, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very important. Um, yeah, so Baby Yoda's pretty much left there for this episode. And then we go to sort of get to see the Mithril character again, who's from episode one, season one, the blue sort of fish guy, the very first bounty. Um, mm-hmm. He's up and about again. You know, he's paying off his debt. Um, and then we get the, the brief for this mission in this game episode of the oh, Mandalorian. Yeah. There we go. The, the adventure. The adventure for this episode is that there's an old <laughs> Imperial base where the troopers um, came from. It's explained from the last fight with Moff Gideon how all these troopers showed up. They apparently arrived from this base um, on, on, on Navarro. Um, mm-hmm. And basically, Carl Weathers and Cara Dune want it gone so that it can be completely rid of all the Empire and basically have a free um, you know new new planet that they can, they can work with. Um mandalorian pretty much agrees straight away obviously i mean he's getting his ship fixed out of this and you know i've got time to kill these are my friends why not yeah um and they literally go straight into it there's no scouting mission there's no nothing they just grab on a speeder and off they go yeah it's like okay um (laughs) so yeah up until this point i was like okay this is a slightly shorter episode anyway but uh of of the mandalorian and they get right to it but they do a good job of sort of building those characters and they're sort of meeting again for the first time and they're still clearly friends and all the work that's been going on whilst mandalorian has been away um pretty cool to see anyway so we then sort of uh take off yeah he agrees to go with them they're talking about you know we need to overload the reactor and then we'll run away and how they're gonna basically blow it up like the death star is is pretty much the mission it's a mini death yeah. star mission this mini one death star with yes. a bunch of little things that point that out as well um what would be a star wars thing without a death star reference <laughs> i don't know it, yeah if, if there was no if there was no slight look at what could be a lightsaber <laughs> or a Death Star, how would you even know it's, it, no, it's Star right? Wars? I guess Stormtroopers as well. I'd put Stormtroopers are a must as yeah, well. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, For all we know, it could have been Indiana Jones at this it point. It could have like, been. There's a little <laughs> bit of Indiana Jones when they're running away in the canyon. And it sort of Yo, reminds yeah, me of yeah. Indiana Jones when he's chasing down the tank with his dad yes. and he's on the horse. Yes. Yeah. A little bit of that. Um yeah so anyway they arrive at the sort of base it's like got a high up platform and they're down in sort of the lava bed river there's no lava in it but it's like they explain that this is where the lava comes through 
and there's a door, mm-hmm. but the controls have been melted down. So the Mandalorian basically jetpacks up to the platform. You hear a couple screams, couple shouts, and then the door opens and in they go. Um, they get up to the top. I'm kind of flying through this episode because there is a main point of this that I want to talk about, but the rest of it no, is, you know, sure. you can go and watch it. Um, yeah. You know, there's a, there's a brief look at a Texla Marauder, which is this sort of transport, which the second you see it, I'm like, okay, so this is this is their get-out ride later on. Yeah, um, yeah. It's pretty clear foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, yeah, they, they storm into sort of the control room. They sort of take down that guy, um, decide that the best way to do this, as I say, this sort of, this base is built around sort of a lava active area. So they say, you know, we've got to overflow and sort of cancel the cooling units. Basically, the lava's going to build up. It's then going to blow up the base, yada, yada, yada. Um, and then we get to this sort of cooling, you know, ring sort of place where you see, you look down, there's a huge hole, and the bottom is clearly lava. And there's this mm. side little sort of platform thing on a, on a circle sort of bed sticking out from the from the wall. And this right. is the control place where you have to turn off the cooling lines, which is the whole purpose yeah. of this mission. Yeah. And this is so a new hope to me, like a new hope Death yeah, Star. Yeah. Obi Wan yeah. has to turn off the tractor beam, I think it is. Yes, yes. And he literally goes into this sort of side sticky out cylindrical thing with no with no railing on it. No, to, nothing. <laughs> to pull down this handle to make the boo like power yeah, down yeah. noise. Down, yeah. Which they the mimic perfectly here, except from the little blue fish guy says there's no guardrail on this. <laughs> Which is like an ongoing <laughs> joke for Star Wars for ages of like like the Death yes. Star, the people who are actually in like the laser cannon sort of like compartment. There's no railing there. There's no railing when Han Solo is murdered. There's yeah. no railing all over the place. Who's who's doing the safety regulations for the galaxy? I don't know, but they suck. Make sense. <laughs> but it's very important to remember this because there's something later on in this episode that is makes this even better. So he says, okay. yeah, there's there's no guardrail on this. So just remember that, and then later on I'll explain right. why. Um, so yeah, he turns it off and there's a slight sound of Obi-Wan sort of turning off the tractor beam. It's not as obvious, but I think it's a clear sort of like reference to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the lava starts rising. They say they've got 10 minutes to get out of there. And then we go through, they're running away and we come into this sort of room where there's two scientists. And, and if you have the subtitles on, they're called Imperial Scientists. And one of them saying, hurry up, purge the drives and... Then they see the Mandalorian and, and crew sort of come around the corner and one of them screams like top of their voice, destroy it and starts to shoot mm-hmm. this comms unit of where they're at. And like they're getting fired at by the Mandalorian, but this guy is still shooting this comms unit, which clearly shows that, I don't know, he's clearly like loyal to the Empire and this secret yeah. is pretty big, whatever it is. Like yes, he's got to yes. cover this up, like it cannot Before. fall into enemy hands over his own life kind of thing. Yeah, over their own. They both <laughs> die as well. Um, yeah, yeah. But I thought that was really sort of like deep and touch. I was like, what is it that they're trying to cover up that's so, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, so big that this integral, that it would yeah. mean this? Um, and then, yeah, so so hurry up, destroy it. Um, they both die. And then we see these tanks. We get these like four or five blue sort of liquid tanks with some kind of body of some kind of being of some. It looks like a bit mm-hmm. of a humanoid, but disformed, disfigured. Not all of them look the same. Um, yeah. very very pale creatures whatever it is that's inside um, and they realize it's not a military operation it's a laboratory and in the yes. background if you listen very closely you can hear Snoke's theme playing like the music of Snoke's uh, theme oh, is playing okay. ever so slightly um, I didn't hear it on initial sort of like viewing but I've gone back since and like 
gone through it again. I do hear it. Yeah. Um, I did not hear that. Yeah, so this is this is sort of there's two scenes in this episode that I really want to talk about, and this is the first one. Yeah, because I straight away thought, "Holy shit, this is like early trials of Snoke." Like, they're Mm -hmm. Snoke is like a cloned body for the Emperor, and maybe they're now trying to sort of fill that stuff in. Um, Right. Yes. Yes. What were your initial sort of thoughts at this point (laughs) watching it? So when I had seen it initially and had gone through it, I I thought because I hadn't realized yet what they were doing with baby Yoda, why they even cared for this child. But um, I just thought that they were doing, clearly I could tell they were doing clones, but I didn't realize it was like force sensitive clones. Mm-hmm. I knew that something was going on in that sense. I was like, okay. And I knew this was so important because of how long it's focused on in this episode. Yeah. You're in this place for a while. And then when I read up on it later and then I, I looked back at it again, I was like, Oh, you know what? That makes sense. And it's, I, th- I think you're right. I think they're trying now to like give reason to everything that happens in seven, eight and nine. Yeah. Um, and I think that it's, I mean, I, I don't think it's been confirmed yet, like from the show, but it, it definitely is the early creations of Snoke. Yeah. And, just, like, just on the overview of what Snoke is. So it gets confirmed that Snoke is like a puppet of the emperor. It was also yes. confirmed in last Jedi that Snoke can use the force. I mean, he, yes. he does so on Ray. Um, yeah. And then you also see in the, uh, the Rise of Skywalker, you see all these vats of other Snoke sort of like, creatures yeah. or attempts or maybe like backups or whatever. Um, yes. So yeah, I straight away got vibes of, okay, it's some sort of cloning pushing towards Snoke, whether they're going to use it initially for Snoke or whether it's just sort of to test and then build on. Um, I do think that I think that it's a test. Like it felt to me more so of a test than it did like, the final yeah it would be it would be it would be more heavily guarded as well if it was yeah sort of thing Um, yes yes but yeah up until this point there's there's cloning being done i mean we have the clone wars so obviously like cloning can be done but what's what's then important and and i've wrote it all out properly is we then get this like they they go to the comms unit to try and find out what they're doing um, and they pop up this message from Dr. Persing, Pershing, I don't know. Um, he, he was in season one. He was the younger mm-hmm. sort of scientist who is working on Baby Yoda and, and asks that Mandalorian doesn't harm him. Oh, yes. Um, so he, we sort of got the vibe that maybe he's yes. working for the Emperor, also for the Imperials, but is a good guy. But on this, he sort of still seems like a bad guy. Um, so I'm just going to read out exactly what he yeah. says word for word. So it says, um, replicated the results of the subsequent subsequent trials, which also resulted in catastrophic failure. There were promising effects for an entire fortnight, but then sadly the body rejected the blood. I highly doubt we um, will find another donor with as high, or, or sorry, a higher M count, meaning Metachlorian yes, count. Metachlorian, yes. Um, I recommend that we suspend all experimentation. I fear that the volunteer will meet the same regrettable fate if we were if we proceed with the transfusion um unfortunately we have exhausted our initial supply of blood the child is small and i was only able to harvest a limited amount without killing him if these experiments are to continue as requested we would again require access to the donor i will not disappoint you again moff gideon so from this they you know there's a couple key words that i thought of immediately so he says about um, I fear that the volunteer will meet the same regrettable fate. 
Um, yes. If it's a volunteer, I don't think that would mean that they're testing this on those clones yet. No. I think... Which adds a very big and weird idea behind this, because then... If, does that mean that Snoke technically isn't fully a clone then? Like, does that mean... Yeah. It, like it's... it could mean. Um, I mean, even for the clones in the Clone Wars, they had Jango Fett to, to Fett. be molded off of. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a huge, huge push. I've read like someone deep, deep, deep theories. Um, at this point, there's a there's a possibility they could have been cloning Luke Skywalker. Oh. Because he has his hand cut off. Um, oh, on, on Cloud City. Oh, and there's right, like okay. a little bit again i don't have any evidence to this it's just one possible but yeah talking about like a volunteer would, would yeah. make sense that they are sort of um trying to um yeah there's obviously certain people whether uh, if they're volunteered and not actually like forced into it then it yeah somebody is being tested with and for somebody it worked for about two weeks where they had yeah. I, I would assume force abilities yeah but then it ended badly yeah. Um, but as this as as this is a lab, it would make sense to me that they're working on multiple things. Like yeah. it wouldn't have to be in that the, those clones are completely along with this message or, or vice mm -hmm. versa. Mm -hmm. But this this whole thing clarifies why they're hunting down Baby Yoda. He's got metachlorians in their blood, and he has a high metachlorian count, um, mm -hmm. so they can't get anything else. It raised the question to me: Do you know of the Inquisitors? Do you know of them? I do not know. Okay. So the Inquisitors were basically once Order sixty six happened and Darth Vader, yes. you know, became Darth Vader. Um, there was not every single Jedi was killed in Order sixty six. So the yeah. Emperor and um, Darth Vader hired um, these people, these elite fighters, who some of them I think were a little bit force sensitive, but but not really. Um, mm -hmm. And they had red lightsabers, and they basically were hired by Darth Vader to hunt down all remaining Jedi. So the okay. latest Star Wars game, which I haven't played, but I know roughly of it, uh, Jedi Fallen Order, yes. is like an example of this. So Order 66 happens, all the Jedi sort of Force-sensitive people who were around but not around Stormtroopers, uh, sorry, Clone Troopers, are then hunted down by the Inquisitors. And they oh, appear in the cool. Rebels TV show because there's, again, again a, a sort of a rogue Jedi and the Inquisitors come to hunt them down. Um, right. But it instantly made me think, if they're, you know, this is after the fall of the Empire, but why wouldn't you just sort of hire Inquisitors once again to sort of go down this route? Um, mm -hmm. To sort of try and find Force-sensitive force beings, hunt them down, and sort of, like, recruit them for this program? Yeah. But also it raises a question as to if they... This is obviously a kind of a new plan because they wanted rid of all the Jedi and all that. They wanted to kill them all beforehand. So yes. now they're like hunting for Metachlorian count people to, to do these experiments. It's clearly like a backup plan, basically. Yeah. And I think, I, I'm assuming that at this point, they, what, uh, the, the cloning technology had developed so much that they, they finally clued in that, hey, maybe if we take this and this, we can make... Which obviously they succeed if Snoke is a clone, then. Yeah, but even know, Snoke, the yeah, way that right. he looks and whatnot, he looks disfigured yeah. and dis. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. There's, 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 there's people who have, have put a picture of Snoke against some of the pictures of these bodies in these sort of vats and say that they yeah. look similar. But yeah. I don't know what would cause that. If that would be an original host that they're trying to clone, 
or if yeah. it's because as you say they're trying to mix two people together with force abilities and that causes yeah. dis- disfigurement and disfiguration. issues and it makes i don't i or, or or it might be that that's like the midichlorian like within them just is so strong and to the to that point because snoke himself is massive of, of, yeah, of a being and he has such strong abilities as with with the force that it's if the, if they were only able to do this much now, like they, I don't, I would be very interested to see how they develop, like what they had to do to get the Snoke's level. Exactly. Which is insane. Um, I don't know if you have the toy here, but there's a toy in the UK that we used to get given, like at like fairs or whatever. It's like a called a grow your own alien, and they come oh, in like a little tub okay. like this, yeah. and you put them in yeah. water like for like two or three nights, and then they like yeah. become huge. Um, I think we had something similar to that. Snoke do, looks like I, a grow-your-own-alien, basically. Yeah, like yeah. You've been, same, same, similar to like uh, uh, Lord Voldemort. We were talking about how he's just this yeah, bag of bones. He gets dropped baby. in and then poof. Yeah. Like, kind of similar. Yeah, you could also do it with like gummy bears. If you put gummy bears in water and leave yeah. them for a night, if you come back the next day, they're like four times as big. They're like almost as big as your face sometimes. I did not. Oh, know if you've never that. tried this, we used to do this in boarding school a lot. So put gummy bears in, like, just plug your sink, fill it with water, chuck in a bunch of gummy yeah. bears, come back in like a day or two, look and at them, then... and they'll be massive. <laughs> that's um, so cool. Yeah, it's exactly that's what Snoke. Someone left him that's... in though for like too long on the recipe on on how to make an, an Emperor <laughs> Snoke. It said like you know leave him in a in a vat of green goo for three days, and someone yeah. left him in for like five days, and he started to crack, yeah. and he got a bit too big. And... Yes, yes. Uh, so basically what we're saying is Harry Potter and the Star Wars universe are one and Harry Potter is canon because baby Voldemort yeah. too. Real. We yes, did this okay. last episode as well. I said the the last Skywalker was very Harry Potter because she like has to go and find like this Horcrux, which is this dagger, this wayfinder. Yeah. And then yeah. she has the big snake that she's got beat off the basilisk and she yes, heals yeah. it. And it's, it's, it's all one universe. It's all one universe. It really is. Um, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, so yeah, we get this message. Um, Mandalu instantly says, "Oh, well, it's an old message because Moff Gideon's dead. As far as he knows, he you know he killed him in the, when he made his tie mm. uh, crash." Mm. And then we hear that this message was three days old. So yes. Mandalorian instantly freaks out, says he's got to get back to the kid. He jetpacks away, um, and then this is my favorite little scene in this shot. Is because he jetbacks away, he goes back to the lava thing, jets up, lands on the outside, and he gets shot from behind by this stormtrooper. And the, yeah. the laser beam bullet, whatever, bounces off his helmet. He turns around and shoots this guard who is standing on a platform with a guardrail on it. <laughs> and he oh. tips over the guardrail and goes falling all the way down into the lava pit. Yeah. And it's oh, so funny okay. because it's just like a, it's a slap in the face because this one character <laughs> in all of Star Wars was given a guardrail and still he fell into like the lava pit. It's just like a stormtroopers of the dumbest yeah, is dumb could be and the, the guard, it. The guardrail proves to and fail. And they did everything. it in the same episode where they say there's no guardrail here and then they later yeah, on have yeah. someone trip over a guardrail. A guardrail. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a really good scene. You should definitely watch it. That's incredible. Um... So yeah, he falls over the railing into the pit of lava and then Mandalorian jetpacks away and he's just hauling ass back to the to the school to pick up baby Yoda. And again, yeah. clearly showing how much he cares for this, you know, it's really his kid at this point. Um, yeah. So yeah, straight away off he goes. And then we're left with sort of the three musketeers 
who like you know they're semi-main characters so we we care a little bit but they get a lot of screen time considering it's not baby yoda or the mandalorian yeah um yeah they basically sort of like you know are trying to run away there's no sort of um they get onto the main sort of transport platform this elevator door then opens up with troopers and again a throwback to the original star wars they say they're over there oh no it says there they are blast them which is yeah. which is a quote from the original. <laughs> the the same, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I don't know, stormtrooper. Like you, you know, you get your training. Like, no. You're like, okay, watch out for low hanging doors. Don't bang your head. And then yeah. here's here's the phrases you're allowed to say. You're allowed <laughs> to say, only. there they are, blast them, and move along, move along, and like you know, it's just like standard stormtrooper uh, sort of quotes. Um, anyway, yes, and they... also the the Wilhelm scream. Yes, the Wilhelm scream. <laughs> Which I haven't heard yet. I I don't know I don't, if they've used it, but I haven't heard it. Normally, I'm pretty good at picking that up. That. Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe. Oh, they should have done it for the guy who tripped over the hand railing. <sighs> it would have been perfect. Oh, it would have been. Per- I might. I don't know. What. I might take the time to edit that. Do it. I Could, think it would be perfect. Okay, that will be my afternoon challenge. I'll send it to you, and that'll be <laughs> yes. that'll be the best thing. We'll put it up on the Instagram. Incredible. Yes. Um. Okay, yeah, so then we see, you know, the, the Texler Marauder, the thing that was foreshadowed and spoken about earlier. They get in it, the door shuts, there's no way, so they just go off the edge, you know, crashing down into the lava bed sort of river. Again, it's dry, there's no lava there, but they sort of go down this Indiana Jones chase, as I was talking about earlier, yes. and these stormtroopers sort of come flying off the edge as well on these speeder bikes, oh, which is I a very that. cool shot very yes, cool incredible shot yeah yeah. it does like a where it starts sort of like the the platform and the camera's like back here and then it does like a forward turn and loop and then joins in with them sort of moving it's, yeah it's i have no like, idea how you're the film student maybe you can tell me what the camera movement is but it goes from like a well, sort of wide shot into like an instant like first person almost like following them yeah Really it's just cool. like it's like a big tracking shot that just dives in with it with like which is something that you see more so in video games mm-hmm. than you do in in like live action stuff because in live action you're very limited but when you're doing a video game you are your camera can go wherever you want it to go which is i think that has a lot to do in part with um the fact that they shoot this series with a video game engine essentially oh. with the with the way it's shot uh, which I could go on about. It's a very, very different way of how this movie film or this show is shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like to keep it brief, essentially they shoot inside like um, it's like a big LED screen. Yeah, right. I I, I knew and, about that. Yeah, you, right. And the way that the camera is able to follow the background is because it's a video game engine. So uh. when you're playing like a first-person shooter and you're like turning around everywhere and everything is rendering real time it's uh-huh. the same principle so oh i did not know that with regard to yeah. the filming oh, yeah so the cool. cam the camera is kind of like you're you're the first person right so it yeah. like it'll do real-time renders so that's likely how they did that shot where it's like they were able to, to go and dive down with it and very make it cool. feel real so yeah yeah it's it's just i i've heard a couple of people talking about this shot and i instantly noticed it and obviously you did too so it's yeah, it's clearly yeah. not like a traditional shot that's normally used no. in Star Wars, and it sticks out, no. but it sticks out good. Yeah. Um, yes. And there's one other shot again later on that is very like video game sort of like um, 
But yeah, basically the speeder bikes go off, and again, sound bite. They're using it from Return of the Jedi with the speeder bikes in the Endor forest. Um, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. pretty standard sounds. But again, like I love that scene in the originals, and I think it's great. They still use the the sounds. Yeah. Um, so off they go, Indiana Jones style. You know, standard sort of like they're trying to get away. There's three chasing them. Carl Rivers, his character, goes on the on the back gun again, very similar to that of the Falcon with the sounds and the targeting yeah. system and this chair system that moves all over the place. Which you'd think they'd update by now. But you would think, <laughs> but apparently <laughs> not. Yeah, uh, this was a long, long time ago. You've got to remember, this was not uh, in our yeah. future. So we've we've yes. learned since then. I yes, think. I think, and they're the very. Uh... I don't understand. <laughs> it's like a Family Guy Star Wars movie where they were like a long, long time ago, and yet somehow in the very far future. Yeah. <laughs> you always forget that part of the beginning of Star yeah, Wars. It's like a long, 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 long time, time ago, and you're like and you're looking like, at it like you have like lasers and flying things that we couldn't even dream of. This, yeah, this doesn't make sense. You have blue macaroons. Like we're only just getting there. <laughs> We only have red. Yeah, oh. <laughs> we're just getting into blue, like blue flavored coloring that isn't poison. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So th- they're running away as say Carl Weathers character, uh, Grief Cargo, shoots down one of the um, speeder bike uh, stormtroopers. The other one, um, the last that's driving the the big sort of tank machine, slams him into the side. Again, very like Indiana Jones. I thought pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the third and final one somehow gets on top of them. Looks like he's going to drop a grenade in there. Carver's turn shoots him. And they're away yeah. in clear. And it seems like happy days. They come into a clearing. Well, a slight clearing. I guess they're still in the canyon. And then you hear the infamous sound of these TIE fighters. Just that, that screech noise. Yeah. Again, don't know how they made Which that is... sound effect. But my God, is it good. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they just straight away sort of like the next thing you know, there's these TIEs. Um, and then... They have this little moment, and it's tiny, and I'm definitely overpicking it. But the girl's character in this, who I'm name, I'm already sort of Cara Dune, sorry. Cara, yeah. Cara Dune's character is driving this like this vehicle thing in the getaway, and one of the characters says to her, "Can you go any? Can this thing go any faster?" And she does like this gear shift sort of thing, which right. is like a a crime of the Fast and Furious movies, of which she's a part of. She's in those movies. Yes, yes, And she does, like, a gear shift as if that speeds everything up. Which, if you've ever driven a manual car or any car, you know that shifting gears doesn't really give you that much of a boost. If anything, it actually slows you down initially. Yes. Um, No, she's hitting hitting the NOS, Yeah, well, she does something. She's like, can this thing go any faster? And she just goes, ugh, sort of grunts and moves the knob and nothing happens. I was like, okay, Fast and Furious, cool. Um, so yeah, then we've got the TIE fighters to deal with. It seems as if there's no hope. He shoots down one of them, but then it crash lands into the back of the vehicle, destroying the gun, so then they're really buggered. Yeah. And then in comes the Mandalorian, exactly as Han Solo would. It's kind of his Han Solo moment, last minute, you know, fly by, you just see these shots, and then boom, there's the Razor Crest. Yeah. Yes. Um, does a very, very cool move. Um, well, first and foremost, sorry, like comes in like Han Solo, and then Baby Yoda is eating these macaroons still in the back of the vehicle. <laughs> but then as he starts to climb, Baby Yoda like puts his hands up and like starts to yeah. like laugh and like enjoy it as if it's a roller coaster ride. Which yeah, is awesome. So so cute. Um, and then Mandalorian uh, Mando pulls this really cool move where he shoots down the 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 second Tie Fighter. 
He then hits the brakes. You see all the, the sort of brake compartments come out of the Razor Crest. And the camera move here is it does this quick sort of stall sort of thing as it topples back oh, over yeah, itself. Yeah. Yes, he then comes yes, flying yes. down and does like a 360 spin the whole time to avoid the laser. And it's a game of chicken between him and the tie. He obviously wins, yes. comes out through the explosion. Amazing shot. Um, yeah, it's beautiful. beautiful. All of the Mandalorian has been fantastic as far as like CGI goes. And yeah. however they're doing this, I don't know. But everything from the crate Dragon to the ships to the, to the dogfights to... To the creature, everything in this looks so good and so real. Yeah, it doesn't feel like separated at all in any. Like, yeah, it feels I, so much part of it. Well, I find it so ironic because like everyone shits <clears throat> all over the prequels because they're like, oh, it's too much CGI and it and it's all this. But it just really shows mm. that like George Lucas did know what he was doing, and the future was CGI. It just wasn't quite there yet. It wasn't quite yeah, believable yeah, yeah. at that point. But now, I think if you look, yeah. The, the most unrealistic thing that's happened in this show so far, Cammy pointed out last episode, is when the frog lady does her little run thing. It just looks weird, sort of kind of junky, yeah. like sort of yeah. like stiff looking. Um, I, I think but that, that might have been just, I think that's limitations of the costume, right? And like, mm-hmm. and like you know, I, I do agree that that, but I do like that they still bring in the practical effects when they can. It's yeah. like this oh, health, yeah, absolutely. Health, it's a, it's a healthy mix between both, I would say. Yeah, I mean, Baby Yoda could easily have just been a CGI blob and that was it. Like, you know, mm. that's probably what would have happened if this had come out like five years ago. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, still using as much sort of in-person real stuff as they can. Um, one other yeah. shot that I did breeze over, actually, the other shot that I really liked in this is you get one shot inside the TIE fighter over the shoulder of the pilot looking out of the sort of the screen as he's firing the lasers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, I've been playing the Star Wars PlayStation 4 game, the new one that's come out called Squadrons, where you actually yes. like play, and the whole game's in first person, so you only see the inside of the cockpit. You can't actually fly it from outside. Outside, um, right? But I thought it was really cool to see this in live action, like the inside yeah. of the cockpit. Um, and I think that's something cool that the Mandalorian is doing is that it's employing so many different perspectives, like not even like world-wise, but also shot-wise, and and yeah. what they can. I mean even just logistically as like as i was saying how they're shooting it um the show no green screen just the led screens mm-hmm. like everything about the show is almost uh, a weird echo of what four five and six did where it brought in this new wave of of the sci-fi world or a new wave of technology i should say yeah right and, how they and yeah and i think that's like that's the biggest that's really what this series is doing which i think is really breakthrough for and i guess film. like others are going to take away from this now and probably use it oh yeah they can afford well the, the, the led wall is like starting to be used so much more often mm. now especially here in, in car commercials um it's so realistic that instead of going out and renting a, a a car that has the crane on it with the camera you just shoot this whole commercial inside a warehouse with the mm. led screens and it looks like it's outside on going down the mountain tell you Mahmood, so. the future is here we are we are officially <laughs> we're not quite star wars level of past future but we we're, yes, we're in it yes. sorry yes we're still <laughs> in the red macaroons as we, yeah. we can get the red macaroons tell you what that's what like tell you what if we see each other over christmas we'll find yeah. some blue macaroons <laughs> yes and we'll feast <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah, so as I say, uh, Mando comes in, saves the day, and then we get this adorable little shot where he turns around to Baby Yoda and says, not too bad, huh, kid? 
And then Baby Yoda throws up blue goo all over himself because all he's been doing is eating these blue macaroons. Yeah. Throws up on himself, a little spit up. Um, you know, the his his friends on the ground say, you know, uh, you coming in for a drink sort of thing. He says, no, I've got some maintenance on board to deal with, i.e. mopping up Baby Yoda. And also mm-hmm. he says he wants to go before Gideon catches word of him. Um, so, you know, he has to what? leave just to be safe. Yeah. Um. And then the last two little things we see, again, the guy that you mentioned about earlier, I think his character's name is Blue, but we see two X-Wings are parked up outside of the town, um, and the pilot from the previous episode, who you were talking us uh, about, mm-hmm. um, he's talking to Cara Dune, compliments her on sort of like, you know, the cleanup of the town and on her mission and on her records. Mm-hmm. Um, and she says, I'm not a joiner, Blue, and so I'm assuming his name's Blue, um, or maybe it's just a nickname. Uh, I th- I think yeah 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 sorry keep going yeah um so it says um this character blue then says there is something going on out here they don't believe it on the core worlds but it's true um they really need the help of local support um and asks if you know s- says that she was from Alderaan and he says you know I fought during Alderaan and did you lose anyone she says I lost everyone obviously it's the first sort of planet that the Death Star blows up. Right. Um, and then he leaves her this little gold rebel sort of logo medal yeah. thing. Um, it's a cool little scene, just again, sort of bring him back for another episode, I guess, and sort of keep showing it. But also, yeah. I think it's like, it's interesting that he says that he notices that there's clearly stuff going on out in the outer rim rather than just the core worlds, mm-hmm. which is exactly where all the First Order and yeah. then even further out, Exegol is where sort of the Emperor is. Um, so again, sort of shows yeah. the the lack of sight from, I guess, the, the the rebels and as much as they just assume things are going to happen in the core world when the Outer Rim is exactly where everything actually happens. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's whatever. I don't know if she will end up joining up with the Rebellion or not. I don't really care about it at this point because I know where it's heading and I know yeah. that the New Republic doesn't yeah. really actually become anything. It's just sort of the, re- the rebels is the same thing. It doesn't build. Yeah, um, because this is like the early beginnings of the rebellion, right? At this point, or are they well, they sort be... of they've won at this point. So this point, yeah, they're sort of like because they beat the emperor, empire, and the emperor, and it blew up. And this is supposedly yes. like five years after that. They're called yeah. the New Republic, and they're sort of trying to build something. At the same point, oh, as right. I guess the Imperials and the Empire are sort of still in there, like they still have their moth sort of leaders, but they're very much yeah. split up, and then they become yeah. the First Order somehow. First order. Right, right, right. Which so, maybe this show will kind of answer for yeah, us. Yeah, I think they're going to build how the First Order came about, and then also how the New Rebellion sort of failed and mm. sort of became rebels again. Yeah. Um, and in the last scene that we see in this episode, we get to see an Imperial ship. There's some female who is talking to a one of the engineers that worked on the Razor Quest just then. And she mm-hmm. says that the device has been planted as requested and says you'll be, and she's, the, the, the Imperial officer says you'll be uh, well rewarded in the new era, which again, I think mm-hmm. just hints towards the, the First Order, the new sort First of Empire. Order, yeah. Um, yeah. And then we see she goes down a corridor, these doors open into this sort of sciencey lab, and there's Moff Gideon standing there. Again, very Darth Vader vibes. He's got the black... Yeah. The black cape cloak thing on and got these sort of chest pieces on which have little lights and buttons on them. And obviously we know he has the dark saber, so other than the helmet, mm. he's pretty much a Darth Vader wannabe. Um, yeah. Although I would suspect he doesn't have force abilities because otherwise they'd be testing getting his blood. 
Um, mm-hmm. But then um, he asks if they still have the asset. She says, yeah, it was confirmed. The asset, i.e. Baby Yoda, is still with him. And he basically says, like, you know, great. Um, and then the camera pulls away and we see 20 or so plus sort of of these black armored suits. Mm-hmm. Um, which looked to me initially like the Death Troopers, which are just sort of the the black stormtroopers that have been in sort of season one at the very end and also in Rogue One and, you know, the Clone Wars TV show. Yes, um, yes. But I think yourself, you mentioned something along the lines either of these clones and or these suits as having something to do with like shadow something or other. Yeah, so... I initially thought the same thing that they were the dark troopers or, or whichever or um sorry yeah, not the dark dark no death death the troopers death, I think are death the black troopers. ones yeah but what I'd re what I'd read online what I think makes a little more sense is that they're, they're called dark troopers and they they originally they've never been in canon before the reason for that is they used to be in the older video game older Star Wars video games from the two thousands nineties like and onwards. Mm-hmm. Um, and their role was like they were so they were these force they had like a very bit th- sorry their abilities were that they obviously are like stormtroopers and whichever but they had force abilities too um, and this is why this is kind of nerve-wracking but it wasn't like intense force abilities it was just like a very sliver of it that they could control and anyways the, you're in one of the games your whole goal is to try to stop the production of these uh, right. these dark troopers but i think i don't know how that game ends i think mm-hmm. it, it ends up being that like, you fail or uh, whichever yeah so the only so, thing i'd looked up is that it's sort of like a legend sort of thing it's not necessarily canon but possibly could now be canon or they're yeah trying to bring it it, back. yeah now that they're trying to bring it into this world which would be very cool i think and i think it would be very interesting um because it would be now knowing that the 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 saber that Moff Gideon has is already something that might mess with Mando. Mm-hmm. This these troopers are probably going to be his biggest match, I would say, because now he has to deal with the Force. And I think something along the lines of Baby Yoda and 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 um, Mando kind of bonding with each other, and Baby Yoda finally starting to learn how to use his yeah. Force abilities against other creatures of Force abilities. Um, but that's kind of what I, th- what the internet and what I think is the history of what yeah. these. Yeah, I think they're clearly oh, yeah. sort of building to. Um, I mean, Mandalorians anyway, and the armor, the jetpack, all the weapons that he has. The Mandalorians' armor and all their sort of weaponry was built specifically to combat Jedi. Um, yeah, like that's why they have all their armor that they do and the grappling mm-hmm. hooks and all that was to sort of fight them. So straight away, you sort of have you know Bo-Katan. Uh, you have Mando, you have Baby Yoda, you have Moff Gideon, and then there's mm-hmm. talks as well in the last episode about going to see Ahsoka. So there's yeah. all these sort of like force wielding or lightsaber wielding or Mandalorian like elite fighters that are mm-hmm. clearly going to hit a crux as well. And also mm-hmm. going back to episode one again, very briefly, we have um, Boba Fett possibly alive yeah, yeah. And, and unwell and out and yeah. about. And um, we don't know what. I, where he's coming, some part of me thinks he's going to come and join the good side, but we'll see. We'll see. We don't know how it's all going to go. There. I really don't know. My my only other <laughs> thought is that if it's possibly not, no, I can't really say. Okay, there's some clone. There's some Clone Wars characters who obviously are the clone of him. So there's mm-hmm. a couple other Clone Wars characters that I think it could be as well. It might not definitely be Boba Fett, but 
But as we saw oh. his armor and we is saw it, him, I would assume it would be. Is it uh, the team? That one team? Yeah, so there's a character called Rex, who's like Anakin Skywalker. Yeah, sort of Captain Rex. Club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's, yeah. He's, he's my first pick as to who it is if it's not Boba Fett. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll sort, of, we'll sort of wait and see. Also, just speaking about Clone Wars very quickly, when you do get through it, Season 7... Mm-hmm. We we can come back and we can have a full on podcast just on season seven because okay it is mind blowingly good it is the best animated thing ever in Star Wars really season oh. seven I'm like I'm loving where I'm at in season three right now and like everything starts to now finally develop a bit another I, story I had to say to there's sense, like but... from season three season four onwards for sure from season four mm-hmm. onwards it gets really good. And then season yeah. seven, it knocks it out of the park. Season one right. and two, I really struggled with because there's so many yeah. little just Jar Jar Binks episodes that are clearly yeah. for kids. I think that's when it had come out initially. I don't think it was meant to be canon, but it eventually started to become, well, we should maybe develop a storyline for this. I think and they like... just sort of like, Dave Filoni just really started to show what he knew and what he wanted yeah. to do. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, for sure. Okay, well, we've been going for a long time, so we're probably going to wrap this one up. Um, yes. Overall thoughts, though, episodes like one, two, three, and four now, you still enjoying The Mandalorian? Is it still something that you, like, yeah, like closing thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think The Mandalorian is an incredible, like, Star Wars. Um, it's an incredible way to introduce Star Wars to anybody, but also to just continue the Star Wars universe without dragging it on into one film like mm-hmm. i had mentioned earlier i think visually and like technologically and 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 story-wise they're challenging everything um and it's really cool so 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 far episodes one two three and four have like exceeded my expectations again i i'm not the biggest fan of the of the <laughs> we get to this checkpoint and then you have to get this key yeah, to get to this point or whatever <laughs> yeah but mm-hmm. uh, i can i can live with it because i see that like the overarching storyline is starting to come together now and it's starting to make more sense as to where they might be headed again you never know with star wars but yeah, i'm, no, I'm loving you never it. know for all we know it could pop yeah. in a new complete character with no backstory and you just you have yeah. another snoke and you'd be like what yeah yeah exactly why would i go yeah. with this they they yeah. like to to be a star wars fan is to suffer a little bit in pain and to yes. sort of just persevere as best you can um, yes, but no, I still stand by. I think the Mandalorian is the is the best Star Wars thing of recent years, and I think it's Agreed. I think it's doing a good job. Yeah, thank you again right. for having me. No, thank you so much for being on, man. Like especially you know last minute, pretty much. But uh, yeah, been great having you, and maybe we'll have you back on another episode with Shanika talking about Harry Potter and going through all the all the favorites <laughs> and maybe Voldemort. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, thanks everyone for listening. Uh, follow us on Spotify and follow us on Instagram at the Pineapple Theory underscore Podcast. This has been a Mandalorian Monday episode with my special guest Mahmood. Round of applause for Mahmood. Um, yeah. And we'll see you next time. Bye.